0: brought to you by ChillFit Cryo. Are you suffering from sports injuries, chronic pain, sleep disorders, or depression? Are you willing to try something that only requires three minutes of your time? Then you need to get some cryotherapy from ChillFit Cryo in your life. Our friends at ChillFit Cryo in Tempe, Arizona, have been helping people with these issues for over 10 years. I've actually been seeing them for over five years to help me with injury prevention and rapid injury repair. My I tore cartilage in my ribs before a pajama wrestling tournament, Paul and his team got me back on the mat as quickly as possible. Uh, my drugs of choice are Full Body Cryo and the Cryo Zone. Chill Fit Cryo has allowed me to sleep better due to my shift work and also recover faster from workouts. Some of the benefits of cryotherapy include reduced inflammation and flushing of toxins from the body, increased blood circulation and increased energy, improved sleep quality, targeted a rapid injury repair, decreased fatigue and soreness, and a bunch of other things. Chill Fit Cryo, Recover, Reset, Restore. They're located on University and the 101 in Tempe. You can find more information about them at their website and on Instagram at chillfitcryo.com. That's C H I L L F I T C R Y O. Chillfit Chill Cryo. Recover, reset, restore. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Make the Difference podcast. Today, we have our usual suspects in here, myself and Chris Stewart. Good morning. And, Good uh, afternoon, whatever have, it is. We have a returning yeah. guest, the uh, great and powerful, all knowing Terry Garrison. He <laughs> <anyway. Yeah. laughs> oh, couldn't yes. make it, so I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Chief Garrison, sorry. I've, I, 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 yes, we are, are very formal. We yeah, should keep it yeah. that way. Wear my manner. So mm-hmm. today we are going to be talking to Chief Garrison about some questions that we have in regards to managing uh, a large fire department and how to implement some things.
1: Yeah. So leadership, and you know, certainly Terry has a, a, a significant amount of history, and you know whether whether it was working here uh, in in Phoenix or um, going on to work in Oceanside, and for a little while up in Daisy Mountain, and then to the uh, <laughs> into the big city of Houston. Uh, you know, there's a there's a wealth of uh, experience and, and knowledge, and. And probably success and maybe things that didn't weren't great, right? Right. So, um, yeah, we thought we'd be be worthy topic because I think uh, uh, everybody right now feels the, the pull of leadership and the criticism of the leadership. And so uh, I think there's some things we could, we could talk about. So we're glad to have you.
2: Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Whenever uh, somebody says the fire departments I work for, the first thing I think of is I can't hold a job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. do jump around a lot, <laughs> huh? So it was interesting leaving Phoenix, you know, after 30 years and uh, being in the drop thinking that I could stay. Because um, back then you, we, we were told that you could pay a penalty and, and then uh, stay where you are. And uh, but then they said no, you have to leave. So uh, we were all kind of forced to leave. Bruno left uh, about nine months, ten months before I did, and then I left. And so it's like, oh, I got to get another job. I'm 49 years old. <laughs> so uh, did right? you do
0: anything for that nine or ten months, or you just No, he was
2: he was <laughs> bo- bo- the the new fire chief came in, and I was the kind of the super deputy over operations. I was uh, I was the supervising Nick uh brunacini john hinton and kevin cockbrenner how'd that go that about way you'd imagine
0: <laughs> kind of like your dogs were yeah, earlier you, today they're fighting yeah. <laughs> lots of infighting
2: it's pretty much what do you guys want to do today <laughs> and then i'll be over here while you're doing it but uh so i was brought in as like the super deputy so i had, a, I had an office on the second floor that's a big deal is over oh, the office on the second Ooh. floor right so it was my second floor experience And then the new fire chief came in the first day. He was the fire chief and says, tomorrow you're going to be the fire marshal. It's like, okay. Uh, So I said, uh, I really uh, don't call me a fire. I'll go wherever you want me to go. You're the fire chief. I didn't disrespect the last fire chief for my entire career, and I'm not going to disrespect you, but I'm not really a fire marshal. That's kind of insulting to them because that's a pretty specific skill set. I said, but I'll go over in fire prevention. And I'll see how I can help. So I go to lunch, and I come back from lunch, and sure enough, somebody put a junior fire marshal helmet, <laughs> one of those little plastic uh, helmets. Uh, on
0: One my of your home. friends.
2: <laughs> so it made it okay. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. It couldn't be
0: that hard. Jim Carrey did it. Yeah, very true, very true. I look, a, I look
2: a lot like him when he does that. <laughs> Same neck. <laughs> But so, yeah, so uh, I was over there for about nine months. And um, actually, I wasn't there nine months. I was probably there just for about four or five months. And he brought me back and promoted me to assistant chief and made me the uh, operations chief. And I was there for uh, probably the last seven or eight months of my career as the operations chief. But when I had to leave, uh, I was like, man, i got to find a job. So I, I tested in two spots. Um, and the first one was Eugene, Oregon. And that, it's like, it rains here? I don't like that a lot. I was born in the (laughs) desert. So I didn't go there and uh, ended up going to Oceanside. Uh, New fire chief, 49 Mm -hmm. years old, really not knowing what to expect. Great group of people. And I was there for uh, till I till I uh, the B shifter really came out of me. And the city
0: manager and I didn't get along. I love that story. <laughs> it's on his episode. What did yeah. you say? Uh, that uh, the the secretary shut the door so you guys can motherfuck each other louder. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> we, we did that. So I'd do that different. That wasn't really good leadership there. We'll talk, <laughs> if you want to talk about that, but th- so then, uh, so after.
1: Uh, well, so I gotta let me let me ask you yeah. a question. No, so looking back now uh, on the, your experience in Oceanside. Um, how would you have handled the 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 introduction there and kind of uh, um, the way you started out? Because I mean, we all learn things. I, I, I don't think I, I think it actually went very well for you, but, oh. but we but we know so much better, you know, five ten years yes. down the road.
2: So I was so fortunate because when I went there, what they were really lacking was some operation uh, experience, and and the union president at the time, uh, Mike. Mathai, he's a good guy, and they were looking for somebody to help lead the organization with tactics and strategy, and hell, I, I just came as the operations chief and you know, working with Bruno and Nick and John and those guys, so I really got to focus right on the front end of that is I, I actually taught uh, the entire organization, there's only about 185 guys, and they're all guys, but I, I got to teach them the decision-making model and the eight functions of command, and really get into the operations piece. So I was more like the operations chief early on. And so what I would so that worked out really well and we got along well. And you know, you guys have all heard the story about where um, we had a little bit of a learning curve with a couple of the old guys. They didn't want to stay in the vehicle and actually assume command. They wanted to get out and do that walk-around command stuff. You so, got to get close to it. Yeah, so you got to get close to it. So they and they created this big beautiful walnut cabinet. I don't know what it, kind of what it was. I call it walnut, <laughs> uh, and uh, it was in the back of the vehicle. And couldn't get a guy to rich s- mahogany. Yeah, we couldn't get a guy to stay in the vehicle. He'd go back to that and open up the. The hatchback and <laughs> stand in the back. So I drove that. I had that vehicle. I think the second, third week, drive over to the training academy, and I pull. I got to help pull it out and throw it in the trash. <laughs> so he, when he comes back the next shift, he's so like, pissed. "You can't go back there. You got to <laughs> sit down." And so that was fun. You know, that was really fun stuff. What I didn't do is pay a lot of attention to the politics and the. Uh, the other departments and, you know, get to know the police chief and the HR director. And I probably should have spent a little more time uh, focusing on, on that a little bit. But I was so having so much fun focusing on the operations piece. Um, and that's kind of where I, I spent most of my time.
0: Do you think you're ready to be a fire chief when you got there?
2: You know what? I was ready to be the ops Chief, okay. yeah. <laughs> which is what I was <laughs> right. but um the the fire chief that left there, you guys probably know him his his name's Jeff Bowman, and he was the fire Chief of San Diego, and before that he was the fire chief of um, Anaheim, California, and now he's he owns a little winery in his backyard off of, think he lives out near Temecula not I'm quite saying, yeah. Temecula but it's called the Screaming Chief wine you guys ought to check it out it's huh. really delicious <laughs> wine but he, w- he ended up being called the Screaming Chief because he screamed so loudly at uh, the San Diego City Council that they weren't providing enough firefighters or fire stations and he was serious about it um, so I got to spend about uh, maybe four or five weeks with him he was the interim chief in Oceanside when I went there um, and uh he he helped me out he helped me out quite a bit. So, you know, all the things that I'd learned watching Bruno over the years and then which is just be nice and treat people the way you want to be treated, you know, just the simple stuff of managing people and engaging people was probably the most helpful piece. But then i when I met Bowman, um, He kind of gave me the nuts and bolts of being a fire chief and dealing with a council and a mayor and all that, because I hadn't done that. You know, it's interesting. You go through an entire career, and I don't think I went to a council meeting. It wasn't something that I did. I didn't spend any time with mayors or council members or uh, HR directors, which, you know, some guys do, and I didn't have any of those kind of experience, so probably wasn't ready for that piece.
0: When you get to that fire department, um what is kind of how, how do you go about analyzing who they are what they are what their strengths and strengths and weaknesses are and what plan you're going to put in place to make that all uh, kind of better
2: yeah so that's that's a cool part about firefighters is they're not shy right so you can. So what I did, and I did it in Houston, and I did it in, um, uh, in Glendale when I arrived in Glendale, is you just go out and you talk to firefighters, and you go to fire stations, and you ask them what's up, and they don't have any problem telling you what's up. They, they more or less tell you what's down a lot, too, but <laughs> they'll give you exactly what they think, and... Um, there, they will lay it out for you. So if you just listen to them for a while, and um, and then you, what I learned later is you kind of listen to the uh, the other directors too. Believe it or not, listen to the HR director and what he thinks the problems with the firefighters are. Uh, he's usually not right, but you can learn some kind of get some insight on how the city may feel about the firefighters. Yeah, their perspective, right? Yeah, and that kind of pays off. And uh, other directors, police chiefs have been really good, uh, kind of giving their opinion. But really, the key is to go to the firefighters and and listen to what they got they got to say. So it was interesting in in Oceanside where those guys needed an operations chief, and I knew to I, I saw that right on, and they were they were man, they were just. They wanted somebody to come in and help them be uh, um, more effective at firefighting. That's what they wanted to do. More effective in the system there in in Southern California. So um, I knew that I could kind of fill that bill. Um, But I think the key is just you talk to people. You get a sense of it. You got your own agenda. Like, so, for instance, you can kind of tell by the questions that they ask in interviews, too, believe it or not. You know, so I've... I've, uh, I knew that in Oceanside, uh, a lot of the interview questions had to do with with um, how the firefighters kind of were connected to the jobs they did. And I know that the labor group sat on um, develop on the panel developing the interview questions, and they wanted to know what experience I had as an actual operations chief. And you can see that um, didn't have a lot of questions about budgets and. And personnel, but it was mostly connected to that job. Where when I went to Houston, the questions related to around were related around culture. Okay. And they were, and we'll talk about that. But they, they, they had a mayor there at the time, and um, I think now they wish they had that same mayor there because they got a mayor there now that's fairly. Uh, yeah, he's he's not he's not <laughs> helpful to the firefighters. Yeah, at all. They're, uh,
1: they they ain't friends. I no, know. they're not
2: friends. And if I was there, I wouldn't be his friend either. In fact, I probably wouldn't have lasted too long. He would have fired me pretty pretty <laughs> quickly, and I would have allowed that because there is severance pay with that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, you gotta get that.
0: So more more of a grassroots effort. Go out, boots on the ground. You know, talk to those people like in the stations, or talk to the firefighters and, and the labor that are in the stations. How about like At the management level Like your battalion chiefs Your your deputy chiefs Your assistant assistant chiefs How do you go about Kind of Because those guys Are probably a little more Difficult to get Some of that information Out of or not Ah you said it very well Yes, and that's exactly true.
2: So firefighters don't have any problem telling you how. In yeah. fact, you know, probably in in uh, Houston they probably thought, Well, here comes another firefighter, another fire chief, so we'll just tell him whatever. <laughs> yeah, they tell.
1: they kinda of had a revolving door on that office. Huh? Yeah, he
2: won't be he won't yeah. be there long. Uh you know, the average I think the the I was there five little over five years and that was a pretty long period of time for a lot of fire chiefs. I think the average Time for a fire chief now is uh, back then was two and a half years in position. Think about that.
0: That's about as long as a podcast lasts, too. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: So um, that's so that was kind of interesting. But battalion chiefs are hard. Battalion chiefs and chief officers and assistant chiefs are really hard. It's hard to get information from them, and it seems like you know God. God bless them, but they they have more of a hidden agenda. Yeah, uh, and that's a, yeah. Yeah, I think you. And on well, um, their way,
1: they're wanting to see your cards first, right?
2: Yeah, they don't want to say anything that would, you know, they're in a position of power and they don't want to lose that position of power. And many times they're they're kind of waiting to move up to the next spot or getting ready to move up to the next spot. So they don't want to uh, they don't want to say anything. So they won't show their cards. But there is a way uh, there's a formal way. So in Houston, I was able to actually interview um, when I went in with the mayor, I said there was there was really three things that i needed her to uh she asked me if i'd be the fire chief so i you know interviewed didn't think i'd get it and she asked me to be the fire chief i said yeah i'd love to i said but i got kind of three things i really need from you and she says okay what are they and i said okay so and she i was able to talk with her like this i said well the first one is pensions i said i know you're you have a problem with firefighter pensions. I said, but, you know, I kind of like pensions.
0: Yeah. Have, <laughs> working on a, my third one. I <laughs> have a couple. I to get more. And
2: uh, I said, so as, as long as you talk pensions, if you want me as the outside fire chief, the first outside fire chief, actually the only second outside fire chief in the history of Houston, uh, Houston at the time, and the last guy was 1989, I said, if you – if you want me to be successful, I can't stand up next to you while you talk about pensions. I said, it's, it's just not going to work. I, I can't do it. I can't be the pension chief. And she said, okay. And she after she never, never had me discuss pensions at all. The second one was um, I needed to, uh, I, I want to know who the doctor worked for. And, and he's a really good guy, the doctor there's there, Dr. Pierce.
1: He's a medical director, right?
2: Yeah, medical director. Been there a long time. Had a lot of... Um, he had a lot of authority and a lot of responsibility. And I said, I just wondered who he worked for because uh, talking to some people on the front end, they said that he was, he was uh, really kind of the control of the fire, fire department, which he wasn't. It was just, it was kind of mean-spirited talk, but I wanted to kind of know where my role was with him. And she goes, he worked for you. And later on, I found out that wasn't exactly true, but we got along well and didn't have any problems. But the EMS system, I knew I needed to change. Uh, some of the deployment of that so uh, I needed to know who he worked for if I didn't want to develop a plan and then the doctor come in and said nope we're not doing that so that worked out well and then the third one was I need to interview my own command team so there is uh, I think uh, 12, 13 um, assistant chiefs and Doesn't I know, sound like a lot. No, not barely, hardly <laughs> yeah. any, right?
0: Sounds like I need more.
2: That's a nice span of control <laughs> for me, isn't it? Uh,
1: for 4,000 firefighters. Well, yeah. you had four execs, right? And then... Two execs, Oh, yeah. two execs, okay.
2: Yeah, so, and I wanted to interview everybody and, and select my own command team, so... um uh, because I didn't want to be undermined early on, you know, by anybody. So I, I wanted to do that. So I got to select my command team. So during that, so back to your question about how do you get kind of input from, um, about, from command officers. Sit down command officers and ask them questions, and they'll tell you about other command officers.
0: Interesting. <laughs>
2: that is that really is how really I learned a lot. It was pretty interesting when I got a question about the effectiveness of a, of a you know, how we support our members and then have three or four different uh, people that are either in chief positions or applying for the position, uh, bad-mouthing logistics chief. And I think I told you guys a story about that where within one day of uh, interviews, I had several people. I think it was three people, which I'll call several. In my world, several, because that's three times more friends than I actually have. So (laughs) that's several people. And they were um they talked about the logistics chief at the time and how mean spirited he was and he he was a resource guy and he did everything and I think we might have called it the support section. He did everything but support firefighters, right? <laughs> <laughs> he was supporting everything not was, the jockstrap. Yeah, right. <laughs> so and I told you a story about the push brooms, right? So this is the guy where uh, the story that came up was um, uh, One of the fire stations went through the proper requisition process and asked for six blowers. And they had a, uh, you know, it's a big city, 600 plus square miles, and some of the areas are a little rough. And they had a fire station next to a park, and the park is where all the, the drunks would come out at night and break bottles and pee all over the place and pretty much destroy it in the community. And in the daytime, the next day, the kids played in the park. I mean, that would, they had no choice. That was their park, and it was a dirt field and all, you know, uh, a basketball hoop that was kind of goofy. So um, they wanted to take these blowers on station day and clean the clean the park too, and blow it off and get all the glass and take care of it. So they requisitioned for this, and apparently, this uh, logistics chief sent them brooms. He sent them six brooms and uh when they called him up to say hey chief you don't understand we want to blow out the park and he goes oh i understand start pushing so it was kind of interesting so when he came up the next day he was the he was the guy who was the assistant chief and i remember sitting down with him and i said okay i got these five or six questions that that i want to ask um everybody but before i do that i want to ask you one question and i said i heard this story and i related this story back to him i said is that true and he goes yeah that's true, and I go, "Would you do that again today?" He goes, "Yeah, I'd do I do the exact same thing?" So I said, "Well, okay, well, we're done asking questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> done. We don't need the other <laughs> five. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks and for yeah. playing.
2: Yeah, thanks for <laughs> hi- and that was yeah. it. And I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't mean to him. I just said, yeah, you just you're not. I really would like the support chief to be the support guy. Yeah, <laughs> and you're not doing it. You so guys keep go.
0: bringing up this thing called what do you guys station day? What is this <laughs> shit? I don't yeah. know any anything about it. Yeah,
2: you guys don't have that.
0: I don't even know what the hell that is." Guys talk about it around me on C-Shift. Like, I've heard uh, of it, but they keep
1: changing it in the calendar, and I don't ever know what the day it is. It's always the day after. <laughs>
2: uh, so I, sa- I, I sat in a fire station yesterday. We, uh, The union president and I went and visited a, f- a couple of fire stations. I sat there, and I looked on the wall, and it actually had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and all the things that all the maintenance that needed to be done each day. And I was really impressed with that, and I thought, wow, that's pretty cool that you guys would actually... Write that down so you can ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of work, yeah. work yeah. just to ignore yeah. it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But no, I'm sure they probably some shifts should probably do some of that. C shift, I'm sure. Where were I'm we? Sure. I don't C-shift. know where we uh-huh. were. Uh-huh.
0: So, go, uh, so, so you're able. It kind of sounds like experience plays a huge role in how you go through and identify the problems, the issues, or kind of what's going on after talking to. Whether whether it be firefighters or captains or battalion chiefs or deputy chiefs, like you're, you're, you're really playing off your gut a little bit.
2: It's it's all gut. It's all gut. It, oh all yeah, good? and it's it's really gut when you pick your command team. So um, I was so I put out an all call. Let's go to Houston because that was it. And I put out an all call, and um, uh, it's like, who wants to be an assistant chief? And I can promote anybody from fire captain up, and um, so I had 150 applicants, and they put in resumes in a couple-week period. And then I sat down and went through the resume, and it was all gut. It's like, okay, that he doesn't maybe have enough education. He doesn't have enough years. She doesn't have that. And I just kind of narrowed it down to about 40 that I thought, okay, these are the 40 that I may want to spend some time so I was writing questions, I thought, well, how the hell am I going to know? You know, because the organization I grew up in, I know who the knuckleheads were. I, right, was, right. I was one of them, right? <laughs> I, it was easy to identify the people that I hung around with were like me. But how am I going to go in and pick the, the top dozen people that I think could run this organization moving forward? So I thought, you know, I'm going to ask these questions but I'm gonna focus on who's gonna be positive, and if I'm gonna be here for a short period of time, the last outside fire chief lasted 60 days, I thought if I'm gonna be here for 61 days, which is my goal, then I might as well pick a dozen guys that I can like to hang out with. And that was it, our girls, guys and girls. And, um, you know, back to the selecting my own uh, command team, that part of that ask on the mayor was that uh, in the past, Apparently, council members would go to call the fire chief up and say, "You need to make this guy. You need to promote that guy." Wow! And that was so. I said, "Do do they get to influence my selection?" She goes, "No, chief. It's your team. You get to pick it." So I picked my team, and and uh, and we we were off rocking and rolling. But you it did. It's all good. I mean, are you
0: look because for me when I interview and and we're looking for new personnel or whatever else, like I'm lo- I'm looking for all, one like you said a positive. Alec, but I'm also listening to hear keywords that they're spitting out.
2: Yeah, so you know, when you're sitting across from somebody, you know, you've got to the point. So, Houston, I'll use, I'll I'll go back to Houston. I think uh, Oceanside was different because I didn't get to select there. They got the firefighter Bill of Rights, and there's some people in place. And I actually moved some people around, and then I got a lawsuit my first month. You want (laughs) to Google me as a fire chief within the first month there, I had to put the people back. (laughs) Because I, I couldn't take them from a, a shift position to a staff position it affected infected their pay, and negatively so uh, they got to go back. It's like really this is bullshit. Yeah, I was kind of irritated. You suck at
0: your that. job and you're not doing a good job, but you but still I get can't to do it. move yet. yeah. So
2: I had to, I had to move those guys back. So I wanted that m- make sure I could do that in in Houston, um, but yeah you just it's just gut instinct and you just kind of. Um, but the key words, see, so in Houston, back to that, is so they don't do interview processes. So in Phoenix, you know, in the valley here, and I don't know where else in the country, but we sp- so we spend a lot of time in the valley here interviewing, right? Before you become a firefighter, how many interviews have I already done? Practice interviews, hiring interviews. So you get good at using key words and saying key phrases and and kind of spitting back what what you want, uh, what what you think they want to hear, and then as you promote through the process, you you kind of get better and better and better at it. That, um, but Houston, they didn't do this. So when people were coming in interviewing, they had they were just being a good old self, mm-hmm. and that was pretty awesome. Yeah. So I was I, I thought I was a fairly good judge of character. It takes me a while sometimes. I'm on my third marriage, but I you know, but <laughs> when it comes. To, Right? That's probably not that funny if my wife's listening. <laughs> We've been married 28 years. She so. got picked last. That's okay. yeah. perfect. Right? Yeah. So I'm not always good at um I mean, Chris is my friend, so I'm not great. But so he's not great. So anyway. Um,
1: yeah, that says a lot more about you than it does me. Right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> right? So anyway, uh um, yeah, you just, you get a gut and say, okay, this guy's going to help. We need to make some, some, and so, and I always try to pick one person at least who uh, is the, the odd duck. It's like Stu. Yeah. I've seen his feet. <laughs> just, it's, it's the guy who asks the, out of, the questions that are out of left field. Yep. So right now we have that guy in, in the Glendale Fire Department. He's a union guy. And his name's Chris, and he asks. There you go. But he asks the. He asks the most. He looks at everything like, from a whole different angle than anybody else. And I always wait for him to to kind of remark, and he waits and waits, and then he finally asks a question. It's like, man, nobody thought of that question. So I always had somebody that did that.
0: I get it, where you're going with that, but why is that why why is that alternative perspective important?
2: Yeah, you can't have a bunch, and that's the follow up is you you can't have a bunch of guys that are just going to nod and whatever decision you say, chief, and then they walk out of the room going, that guy's going to fall on his face. You actually need people to be honest that. Hey guys, we got to work together. Don't let me make stupid decisions cuz I will make stupid decisions. Yeah, we're right? human, we will right? do. So, like right now, I got a couple guys that they're they're pretty stand-up guys and they'll say, "Not chief, don't do that." I "Oh, really? Why not?" Here's the reason's why. Yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. Now, sometimes I disagree and I do it anyway and then we kind of work through that, but so you you don't the last thing you want, you know, uh, Lincoln wrote a great There's a great book about Lincoln, sorry. And it's called Team Arrivals when he was president he in his cabinet that he had, and he picked people that were all different from him and had different points of views, and it was painful as hell for him, um, but it helped. With perspective, where he didn't have people just agreeing with everything he said, so that you don't want that as a fire chief. You don't want that as a fire captain, right?
0: You, know, as leaders, you don't want yes men. like you don't want to be yes men. like you, you kind of want to be challenged, right?
2: Right. And so w- that's a pretty easy thing to spot in an interview. When you're looking across at a guy and he's so obsequious that it's like, man, dude, you're such a brown nose yeah. Right choking now, on I can't. Yeah, I can't even stand <laughs> you right now. We're gonna go ahead and end the interview. But you can spot those people. They raise their head, and you can't find them on a resume. You have to sit across from them and spend some time with them, and um, yeah, they're out there.
0: And I gotta know about for you, but like when we're when I've hired and get, get a good feeling they say the right shit but there's always one that kind of sneaks by you
2: oh yeah there's <laughs> always i had a couple sneak bites so i had to do a little bit of a revision while i was there a couple guys i th- i and, and really the 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 thing that i think that challenged me or that that they were challenged with is they they became self-serving and they probably weren't that i at least i saw that as self-serving in a couple of them and i had no problem saying hey thanks for doing this for a year got your pension up and now you're going to go back to the field and I'm going to bring this guy in that I've been watching or those two people or give some other people a chance. And I, I was never they were probably mad at me obviously cuz I took their opportunity away but it's like, "No, you just became too self-serving. You're not you're not as bad as that resource guy with just being mean-spirited about the brooms where you say start pushing, but with the things that you're doing and the statements you're making" are self-serving
0: do you give them a chance Do you counsel them once or just like hey you kind of see the writing on the wall it's time to go
2: you know what it, it i i learned from bruno you try to give everybody a chance right everybody, yeah, i remember there everybody. being
1: a process where you're allowing them to to make some changes improve improve in those yeah. situations
2: yeah i had one poor guy he was he was a, he was an assistant chief in charge of the uh firefighter of the year committee and uh he was selected as the firefighter in the city of houston where they're they're literally every day they are fighting for their lives out in the streets with you know so many calls working fires old city um no zoning just they're out there every day and every day is a dangerous day for them and you can see they get they're starting to get uh attacked by some of their customers i mean it's just a rough day in in houston and you got a guy who's the fire, who's the chairman, assistant chief, over that area, and he's the firefighter of the year. And I said, it "That's was, crazy, dude. That's a big-headed motherfucker yeah. right there." The way the <laughs> way it funny. worked out is so the we're having the the uh, the banquet. You know, they, they do they like banquets there, and it's a great time for them. And um, it's like a two days before the banquet, and I'm supposed to sign off on the. Um, the certificates and put my, you know, my silly name on it. And I looked down, it's like, you're the firefighter of the year. He goes, (laughs) yeah. I go, no, you're not. He goes, no, really. And I said, how the fuck did you get to be the firefighter of the year? And he goes, well, you know, the committee picked me. I go, no, you're not. Yeah. He goes, it's already it. The invitations are already out. Everybody knows about it. It's already moving forward. I said, okay, so. You go, you get your certificate, you sit down, and you don't say anything. I said, you're you're done. And I said, and I'm going to be replacing you this week. And I like the guy so much. He's such a nice guy, off the job and everything. It's just I, that one. I was like, dude, you cannot allow that. <laughs> the new That's fire crazy. chief, the outside fire chief, comes in and picks one of his yeah. <laughs> protege, which I didn't. But I didn't get ahead of that process because I was like, I don't want to get involved.
0: Well, you wouldn't think someone picked themselves. Like uh,
2: oh yeah, I wouldn't you? Wouldn't yeah, think not that like
0: nine for a second. Right? But he
2: said he didn't. He was so honest. He's like, I didn't do it. The chair, the committee, did the other four guys in the room. It's like, yeah, right.
0: I'm so awesome. Just four ask me. people were <laughs> selecting those. No, I don't know. That's yeah. interesting. Just, said, just, just I ask just me how awesome God. I am. I'll tell you right, right now. now.
2: And there's <laughs> there was people doing. Pretty amazing things every day right yeah Yeah. so yeah that was that was one of those where i I saw one of those and and then another guy just got he just got involved with some stuff that we couldn't outperform.
0: so pick your team wherever it's at oceanside houston glendale um obviously you're you you have to grade those guys every year or whatever you do quarterly uh bi-yearly how, how do you identify strengths and weaknesses of those individuals in those positions, and how do you implement a plan for them to get better?
2: Yeah, so, you know, it's it's that whole deal. You know, the EPARs that we have, those things suck, right? Yeah. And every year, everybody's got to do an EPAR, and, and firefighters are no good at it. F- chief officers are no good at it. We don't put any kind of – it's just a pain in the ass every year. And As a fire chief today, it's still just a pain in the ass every year, and you can't tell – hr directors at because then they make funny faces at you and, you know <laughs> like they like you smell bad <laughs> but it's like so i think that's just a daily daily operation for you so that you get to spend just like in a fire crew you know you're you're and that's all really a, a command team is it's just a fire crew you're okay. sitting around the table i remember the first time I'll, I'll come back to that don't let me forget that but i remember the first time i went up to be the super deputy in phoenix and bruno and i said oh i get to go the executive command team and bruno's there and they're going to talk all this big stuff and i walked in there and bruno was sitting there and it was just like he was running a fire station man they were pulling each other's fingers and having a good time
0: (laughs) what do you guys want to do now what do you
2: guys think of this what do you guys think of that it's like this is a fire station so uh, I've never I,
0: heard it explained that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Like that, why, why change it as you go up that chain? Yeah,
2: it is, you know, so, and you just got like different issues. So if you have a, you know, a personnel issue, that's probably a working fire that you kind of get a uh, got to get on board with when it comes to the budget season, that, that there's like a running a special event where you got to get everybody hands on board and you got to get all the, the systems in place to support you putting your budget together and everything. You just run everything like a, like a fire company, and Good. it works out really well. And that way, you know, you can call bullshit on people, and they can call bullshit on you, because that happens at the firehouse, right? right. So, um, most the day, most days in, the, in as a fire chief, it's kind of like being at the station, where it's there's a lot of democracy happening. You know, what do you want? What do you want to watch on TV? What do you guys want to have for dinner? That's usually the the way the days go. And then when you get to these specific events, like, hey, that becomes autocratic. And, hey, I, guys, I need input on this because I need to make a decision on this. And, uh, and then the whole thing is put together, is held together by processes. So there's a lot of processes. And that's the one thing I learned being a fire chief more than anything else is, and I know I frustrate my guys sometimes, like, what's the process? Tell me what the process is. We'll stick to the process. And cities love processes. So, when the HR director, right now we're working through a, a couple of issues with personnel, and, and it's like, hey, man, we're going through the process. You can't get mad at me as a fire chief going through the process. Yeah, but you're really nice to your firefighters. Yes, I am really nice to my firefighters. And I'm going to work I'm I'm going to support them through this process.
0: Um, but if you're running through a process, it creates consistency, creates um, the illusion of fairness. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, right. So, <laughs> so <laughs> right? of, 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 of things being fair, people understand it, they they trust it more, because if it's like, oh, we're going to do it this way today and another way tomorrow and blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah,
2: well, you you hit the on the keyword. If somebody said, what's the number one thing you need to be as a, as a good leader? I would say consistency, right? Yeah. You said it. So if you use processes and you're consistent in your demeanor and the way you treat people, and, you know, we had a guy in, in – John Hinton said it to another chief officer in Phoenix one day. I'll never forget it. He says, hey, man, I don't know how many pills you took today, but tomorrow we either take twice as many or half as many because you're a <laughs> freaking nut. And it's like, that's perfect, man. So I've used that over the years a hundred times. So as, as you're working with your team, it's just like there should be no surprises on the EPAR, right? There At the end of the day, when you're grading and evaluating and put the official document to there should never be any surprises on there. And it, that's not a gotcha moment. I think we never had that in in Phoenix. I'm looking over. Not that course, I recall, yeah. No, it was always, hey, man, these are all the things that I've told you. And, you know, that you do get some employees that you need to work through some processes, with, work <laughs> work on an improvement plan with. And, and I always like to uh, really, uh, I haven't had to do it a lot, but the times that I had to do it in Houston, and a couple times in, in um, Oceanside, I was like, hey, man, I'm not going to be nice to you. I'm not going to be not nice to you. I will be nice to you. See how effective my speech is? So Communication is the key yeah. to an awesome. effective leader. Yeah. Double negatives. Yeah, yeah double awesome. negatives. I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> but uh, So uh, the key the key is uh, just um, I tell them, hey, man, here's here's what this is about. Like I visited a guy today. Um, we, we got a fire captain who... I think the world of and uh, he had a a customer complaint last week and then he we we received one today from a different customer it's like what the hell now this customer complaint the other one was an official complaint it had to go through the processes the way it came in but this one here i read and it's like at the end of it her statement the customer statement was called grandma called her or she called the fire department to help her grandma, who was having trouble breathing, and and we treat her and, and leave the scene. And But this lady wrote a letter that says the guy was mean. He, he wasn't nice, and he was insensitive. So I'm thinking... I don't want to do a customer complaint with this, man. He's already, he's involved with a customer complaint. And he
1: doesn't have that track record, does no, he? No,
2: he doesn't have that track record. He's been on tw- 27 years, and this isn't the guy, and he's done everything we can organization. It's like, I'm going to go out and tell him. I'm going to go out and have a conversation with him. So I did something that maybe some fire chiefs wouldn't like and, and wouldn't do, and they would say, you lost your mind, and maybe it's out of process. But I went... To his station, I said, Hey, and said hi to everybody. I you know, gave him the high five, the, the union hugs. We did all that. And I said, Tom, I need to talk to you. He said, Okay, let's go my office. I said, No, this is a tail board. Let's go out and go in the back of my truck. So we went out to the back there and I said, Read this document. And it was only about a half a page and he's reading it. I'm letting him read it. You know, take your time. I'll look at the sun coming up this morning. And uh, when I got done, I go, What do you think? He goes, Wow. He goes, I'm so surprised. He says, I thought that this woman and I had a great connection. He goes, I remember this call. And I thought her and I had a great connection. I even told her one day, hey, come by the station. We'll see you again someday or whatever. He goes, I said, well, this is the way that she perceived you. And uh, I said, "This isn't you." So I said, "So just here's an opportunity. that This is a mirror holding up, you know, a reflection for you." He goes, "Man, he goes, I didn't, I didn't see that coming." He goes, "Okay, I got gotcha. you." And you got it, got it. Okay, see you later. Boom. That was it. That w- it could have been. You know, some people would enter that in a process and add it to his other thing. And I can guarantee you, I'm not having another problem with this guy because he's gonna, the fire chief. Yeah, talk to, talk about myself in the third person so I where, like that. But anyway the fire chief comes <laughs> out and sits with you and says hey man don't do this and right. I could have sent a battalion chief or a deputy chief but it's like no I think I'm going to go out and just have a conversation well it just
0: shows him. that you give a fuck like I care about you like I'm willing to take the time to talk to you I know yeah. this isn't you and like hey no big deal
2: but you, so you get to, so you do that with your command team every day, right? Every day, uh, and they do it with me. They'll come in and go, "Hey, man!" The other day when you, I'm really bad at um, giving direction because I'm just one of those guys. If I'll give you about half the direction, assuming you understand everything I just yeah, said, right? And then you might I have can't to come figure
1: out why you've been
0: married three times.
2: <laughs> exactly right.
0: Well, well, Jen <laughs> tells me like we just hired um, a, another person. In the office, and and it was funny because I didn't even think about it this way ever. And she told um, uh, her, she's like, "Hey, you'll figure out how to speak, Brandon." Oh wow! So, and it's, I think that's kind of where you're going to, right? Yeah, like,
2: yeah. So, I just make it a lot of assumptions that people understand what I mean. Yeah, me too. <laughs> when yeah. I walk out, yeah. hey, they got that, and then right. they may come back and go, "Now, nah, nah, were we supposed to give them average but for this this morning conversation, Chief?" When they asked for average response time, did you want to give them average? I said, No, we give them ninety percentile. That's what they another city's asking for their finance department's asking for some data. Yeah, but they're asking for average. I said, No, we don't give average. They could ask all they want. <laughs> the NFPA says ninety percentile. I said, We don't we shouldn't change our language to help out HR or finance or budget or whoever. They should learn our language. Well, they're skewing the data too. Oh, and I get and I get frustrated with that. And I probably you know there's a lot of people that w- would disagree with me on that. But uh, yeah, so I thought I'd made myself clear a couple of days ago, and they were still a couple of days later. It's like today's we got to today's the day we got to send that out. Well, did you want us to send out? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was my responsibility. Yeah. I was speaking Brandon.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. No, because because well now since since I I did hear that and stuff like that. Like I'm I don't know you do, but I'm like. Hey, did, did that make sense? Like, can right. I do this? Can I do that? Like, whatever else. Like, because sometimes you're like, yeah, I'm lacking this information from you. We're like, okay, look, like let's talk through this and like make sure that, that you get it. Because sometimes you know how it is. You're in a You're busy sometimes, and and you, you got to pop in, pop out. You good? Good. Okay. good, Bang, and then you just take off and yeah. Like,
1: so um, you talked a little bit about going out and talking to people and listening and feedback and 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 all that stuff. Um, talk a little bit about. Uh, So there's a there's a fine line there. There's a balance in being able to do that, because if you get a lot of feedback, you're not necessarily going to be able to react and and, you know, change or 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 manage that feedback immediately. And that can lead to disappointment and or, you know, whatever. You know, so how how have you balanced those types of things?
2: Well, that's you know, that's. Every every situation is a little bit different, mm-hmm. right? So let me let me just tell you, so about you you may be talking a little bit about uh, change, right? Change is and I don't know if you are so Well, it, it could what? be
1: change, right? Or it could be change or just the general feeling of frustration about things.
2: Yeah. So a lot of times if you ever talk to people and they and they share with you um, their frustration and they unload it on you, then they, they get a sense of relief from that, right? But you're right, there is a certain respons- responsibility like, hey, you know, that's... And you got to be honest with them right up front. Um, hey, I'm the fire chief, I can do this, but here's the process. And I always go, it, you know, Bruno used to say process 30 times a day, and it would frustrate me. Why does he keep saying that? But that now I get it. So when somebody has something that, that um, they say or some action that they want, they want to move in a certain direction... I always bring them back. Okay, well, that. Thanks for sharing with that with me and being honest. And but here's the process that we got to do. Here's the other input I got to get. You know, and it's that old thing like the military. You know, they gather and and the police. They're really good at gathering information. Then they process that and it becomes intelligence. And then they make decisions. So as when I'm talking to people, I try to say, yeah, that's good information. But I got to go gather more information. Now, I believe what you're saying. But now let me go see what's happening over here. One of the things that has happened in every city that I worked in on the front end of it, and you guys will love this. And I don't know if we talked about this last time. I don't think so. But everybody wants accountability. God, that's right up nuts. until
1: word. right up until they're held accountable.
2: <laughs> exactly, and Bruno hated Truth that favor. word. Yeah, but everybody wanted wants accountability. They went, "Hey, are you? I'm glad you're the new chief man. You're going to hold hold these guys accountable." And then you go to those guys, and they'll say, "Thank God you're here. You need to hold those guys accountable." But that's one of the things you get a lot is so. Um, in Houston, uh, what we did is, and, and I kind of learned it in, in Oceanside, and then I I thought I was going to write a book at a, about it at one time, so I copyrighted it. But um, it was the accountability model mm-hmm. where that four-step process, you know, um, because when, when it came to accountability, it's like, oh, you're going to hold people accountable. Well, holding people accountable is the end of something, right? It's the end of a process. So remember that four-step process is establish expectations. People should know. What is expected of them um, in about any situation, whether, especially command team members, right? When they get out of their lane, the biggest problem we have with uh, command team, executive teams, is they get out of their lane a little bit. They do, they do freelancing, right? So once again, it's like a fireground. These guys are freelance and say, hey, man, what are you doing? You're not the HR. You're not the personnel chief. You're the ops chief. Get back over here. A right. Stay your lane. Whatever. Not in a mean-spirited way, but just, and oh, because they want to do the right thing. It's like, oh, okay, thanks for that. So um, establish expectations back and forth. And these are your expert Here's what I can do for you. So they need to know kind of what they expect from you, too, right, if that makes sense. Then the second part we always say is train to those expectations. So training, you know, there's formal training, but really it's just sharing with them and having a discussion about it. usually kind of covers that. And then monitoring uh, performance and then holding people accountable. And the reason those four are important is because when you try to hold, what I found over the years is when you try to hold somebody accountable, you call somebody on something, whatever it is, whether it's a firefighter or, or another assistant chief or somebody, and you call them on it, they, tell, they, they say, well, nobody ever told me, so nobody ever established those expectations, right? We use that. Our kids tell that, right? Our kids use that at home, and they tell us that. And the second part is, well, uh, I was never trained to do it that way. That was the training piece. That was always an accountability excuse. The third accountability excuse is always, hey, I've done it this way for years and nobody told me.
0: That's Chris's favorite.
2: That's his, (laughs) yeah, that's
0: (laughs) my go to. Yeah, that's 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 your go to.
2: So you got to hold, you got to monitor people. And when you see something, you got to kind of tell them what they're doing wrong. And we're, we're not very good at that in the fire service. I, no. I th- For
1: tough guys, we sure don't like confrontation.
2: No, we don't. We don't like to, you know, that old confrontation without provocation. Did you ever take that class in high, in college? It was a big class. How do you con? How do you confront somebody without provoking them into an argument? I was never good at that. Back to the third marriage thing. It keeps <laughs> coming up.
0: <laughs> but. uh
2: yeah, so how do, you, how do you do that? So that it's always been about this accountability discussion. That comes up early. So what you're talking, your question really makes me think most about those people who want somebody held accountable today. Chief, you're here, man. This has been happening for 20 years. You need to fix it today. You get that a lot. And it's like, well, let's look at it a little bit. And uh, you know what you find most of the time is the person that is um, – Uh, wanting somebody else to be held accountable is usually deflecting for something that they're doing. Yeah. They shouldn't be wrong. Well, so
1: I'm actually thinking of a couple examples you had in Houston. So you had had apparatus issues in Houston with, you know, old apparatus, apparatus breaking, you know, causing – uh, interrupting service delivery and then you had stations in disrepair older you know yeah. problems and and when you go and you talk to those folks you know th- they're going to tell you exactly what what's up with their with the, their stuff and you can't snap your fingers and fix it, right? No, no, But there's a process and there's some communication that goes along with it in, in, in building a plan to improve that. And I, I know you did that
2: there. No, and, and that's kind of what you, you the way you said that was really, uh, you know, you forget about those things. But it they have a bigger apparatus problem now than we had then because they haven't done much about it. Mm-hmm. But so how do you, so I think you gain a lot of, um, uh, trust from your members when you take those issues forward and at least you just don't let them lie like there's some things that i can't make happen but i'm going to move this thing forward and then you get back to those members say hey here's what we did we created a ladder committee we commit we actually got new people on the apparatus committee we went to purchasing this is the process for that now so here we are in the process because people get most um frustrated when they don't know where they are in the process it's that old you know we're making good we're lost but we're making good time (laughs) that's a beautiful saying and so so guys get frustrated because they don't see any progress so just and then little things so you can't get them a new apparatus but there there's some small things you can do for them you know like the guys with the blowers we got them the blowers that was a piece of equipment we can't do this but we can do this uh, in Houston, we were incredibly fortunate. When we needed some small tools or equipment, we could go to Shell or Exxon. They were in our same building and just walk kind of qua- walk across. I was on the seventh floor of a high-rise, and I'd walk across, and they'd hand us a big, giant check, and we'd go out That is our... a pretty good gig. It wow. was pretty amazing, <laughs> wow. and they did that a lot. They were very yeah. supportive of the fire department. But, so, but you do, you, and then you got to be honest with people and tell them you can't do something. So you can't, you know, the worst thing to do is promise people you can fix. So as I'm as I'm out talking to people, and I'm gathering intel, there's sometimes it's like I don't think I can fix that for the next nine months. I'm going to need a lot of help in doing that. Um, and then that's why um, I'll just jump over. But that's why labor relations are so. You know, when you think about labor relations and you're trying to move an organization forward, whether it's fire stations or continued staffing or um, apparatus or whatever it is, it's like the fire chief many times and the admin, they have to play defense because we're within we're within the system. And I'm I'm working with this, you know, through the city manager, deputy city manager. A lot of times I'm just defending what we have where the, the union, they can go on the offense. They could go around and. And, and have conversations with elected officials who the city manager works for. Then go directly um, to them. I was thinking, I, I paused there for a second, because I was pretty lucky. I liked the strong mayoral system where I could sit across from the mayor and have a conversation with her. And I only talked to uh, the mayor in Houston probably about once every three weeks for about 15 minutes. And there, there was a while where she'd go, what do you need, chief? And I said, I don't need nothing because I knew I wasn't going to get nothing. But then as we started developing a relationship, it's like, okay, here's what we need now. And it, you think about the things that firefighters ask for. They don't ask for, and I, as I told her and I tell our city manager now, they're not asking for new recliners or, you know, more pots and pans or bigger TV sets. They're asking for jaws of life, better apparatus to respond to the customer. They're asking for things to do their job. And uh, firefighters get a bad rap. Fire departments get a bad rap for wanting things like that it's like hey we're we're just trying to do our job but i need our only
1: job is service delivery
2: i need a new fire station on the west side of town so we can service the people on the west side of town uh when the water director or the library uh parks and library guy asked for something it's like yeah we'll see how we can do that when the fire chief asked for a a fire station i go what's he trying to do hire more firefighters they have the union you know they're trying to grow that damn thing and that's not the case. It's like we want to serve the people over there. So uh, I guess uh, I got off on a tangent there, but you sometimes you just got to tell people that's going to you haven't had it for 20 years. We'll see how we can kind of move in that direction. But then you got to come up with priorities. So one of the things that, that I said over the years, which I fell into just it was an accident. One day I said it and then it became my mantra. Somebody was wanting something that was just silly. It was just silly shit. And I said, no, man, every dime we spend and every minute we spend is going to support firefighter safety and customer service. And then that became my mantra. And it's been my mantra since Oceanside. And I, so I tell that to council members whenever I get a chance. So I tell it to city managers and I tell it to firefighters. And that's it. We should spend everything we can to make it safer for our firefighters and they can deliver that service.
1: Yeah, so well that's a fantastic dovetail into value-based decision making, right? Because it's it's really really hard to change, you know, have to chase values and wonder what's important now. If 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 a, if a leader in an organization established really clear important values and they kind of use them as magnetic north, that's a huge deal.
2: Yeah, and so I was lucky because this isn't my, uh, you know, I'm just a B-shifter to just happen to be a priority, but I... You did
1: go to Maryvale High.
2: I I didn't, know I went to Alhambra. Oh, you went to Alhambra, my bad, yeah. Yeah, way better. (laughs) I went to Maryvale once and got beat up (laughs) while I was in (laughs) Alhambra. You guys, that's on the west side of town, you don't want to do that. If I went to Carl Hayden, they would have shaved my head. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so... um, but I fell onto that. I fell into that. It's like, no, we're going to make decisions based on this because a lot of people, and that was Oceanside, Brandon, a lot of people were coming at me with a lot of silly ideas. It's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You guys are, you guys are killing me here. And I had to focus on what are we, what's our priorities? In Oceanside, I, we started a program when I got there, and I love those guys, and I hope they don't get mad at me because I say this, but uh, many of the firefighters there we're spending more time focusing on wildland firefighting, and that was what they—they they made a lot of bucks. And you know they got big wildland firefighting, uh, big wildland. Yeah, they're fighters. burning it up right yeah, now, right? Yeah. And so you—you you got your city firefighters that are just waiting for that wildland fire, and they go out and stay out for 21 days and make a lot of money. And when I got there, a lot of the training focused on wildland. I get it, and we need to be safe. But I got frustrated because we weren't doing any local. We weren't doing any structural training the way I thought we were. We didn't have the decision-making model, the functions of command. When I started talking about, you know, a type 4 and 5 incidents where our typical house fires and how we're going to manage those, they brought in IMS and how it needs to look like this. It's like, no, 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 no. So I, I, I say I because it was one of those days where I said, no, we're going to do Oceanside first. And then that became the mantra for the next couple of years. It's Oceanside first. We're going to get our shit done here before we go do anything else for anybody else. And that was kind of a big deal and irritated a lot of people, right? So you, you kind of got to do that sometimes, too.
0: Well, yeah, you got to fix yourself or you can go fix anything else, right?
2: Yeah, but they were, they, it was like, they were, and not all of them, the guy I told you who was the, who is my ops guy, he was focusing on Oceanside. He just wasn't getting a lot of support. And then the city's looking at you like, you guys don't give a shit about us. You want to go make wildland money. And, um... So, wasn't everybody? But you'd be surprised how a small group of people making a large amount of money can kind of ch- influence no, the sure. organizational change. So, you got to have your values. So, since then, it's always been, and I'll, I'll t- I said in any in the interviews when I got jobs as fire chief, is that decisions fire fire safety, customer service. I'll be fiscally responsible in the process, good steward of the resources, and um, and in uh, here in uh, Glendale right now we. Kind of took taking that to the next level. It's be safe, be nice, be accountable. That's been our motto in Houston. I use that in Houston, and I I say I used it is uh, I introduced it out there, and then I said, does this work? And you know, several hundred people had to decide as a group. You know, you kind of send it out through committees. Hey, this is what I see as our organizational values that we're going to base decisions on is does this work for you guys? And we got input, and it came back, and it was adjusted a little bit, and we made statements about it, but it had to be an organizational uh, to the point where there's 4,200 firefighters. But there was a tipping point for us where everybody's like, okay, this makes sense now. And uh, it was just it just it's so fun when you see that come back at you, where, hey, chief, we're being nice. You know, we're taking care of firefighters. We're taking care of the customers. I had one guy come in. He goes, hey, I got a problem with this firefighter. I said, okay, tell me about it. He goes, before I tell it to you, I just want you to know. I he, I told him his expectations. I trained <laughs> he, my <laughs> expectations. I trained on it. I monitored, and this is what I found. I said, okay, so now where we're at with that. And they started walking through the change model or the accountability model, whatever you want to call it. And then you base those, value, uh, those value-based decision-making on that. And it gets really kind of simple. Being a fire chief is, being a fire chief is a lot more uh, simple than running a fire. But running a fire is more com- complex. I was sitting there yesterday. I was looking at um, when we were talking to the firefighters. We met the trustees uh, yesterday morning, the union trustees, just to kind of talk with them and talk about current events. You know, everybody's caught up with vaccinations and. Oh shit, a fire department's not going to operate today because the way they, they left Afghanistan, <laughs> <I don't laughs> give a shit. Right? I mean, I care about that, but it did, I like don't care about it in my way. organization. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like, hey, let's keep focused. You guys are doing great work. Focus on the customer. But I was looking at, it was in a training room, and I was looking at the decision-making model. I'm thinking everything in that decision-making model applies to how you manage, uh, how you manage decisions uh, at, the, at the command level. You know, you go up there, you look at the critical fireground or the critical fireground factors. So, in an organization, whatever the issue is, you look at the critical factors. You try to grant, gain as much intelligence on those as you possibly can. You up, you you step down into your risk management. What are we willing to risk for this? There's usually not a lot of risk at that level. Um, and then you move to a strategy okay what's going to be our strategy on this we're going to go offensive this something we need to implement here in the next uh, couple weeks or next couple months are we just going to lay back and maybe take it down the road and then you get develop your action plan and you deploy but i think that whole model works in management too
0: i totally see that
2: yeah yeah
0: with yeah with some tweaks for sure um you you said something about um, so education and 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 some of your uh, chief officers having that in um, the system that we're in. That isn't a requirement for most of the levels when you progress. But what do what is your thought on education and how it actually prepares? A battalion chief, a deputy chief. um, Did it positively or
1: negatively impact you elsewhere? I mean, did you, did you, could you literally see it and, uh, you know, measure it?
2: No. That's the answer. The answer is no. So, you know, you get, um, it's, what are you learning when you, when you uh, go to court? go to school right so you go to and we're firefighters right it's a vocation so you learn that vocation learn how to do that job when you become a paramedic it's a vocation right when you move up to fire captain now you're starting to learn some different skills and many people would say that's kind of a vocation being a supervisor in many ways use your you know where you're at where you stand how you talk bruno would break it down into the what, what the he, anatomy, the anatomy and physiology yeah. and leadership. So that with him, he kind of saw it as a vocation and where you do that work at. But what I found is, so I have a you know master's degree, and all it's all I think it's it's proven is that I was committed to go to school, and I stayed in school because it's something that I wanted to do um, for myself. But you got to have the education to get the ticket to the show, and that's why I tell my guys. I had a guy in um, assistant chief in Houston when I first got there. You guys know him, Richard Mann. He's yep. now the fire chief of College Station. That no. dude, I would have worked for him in a heartbeat. He was an amazing guy, but he didn't have his he didn't have his bachelor's degree. It's like, dude, you got to get your math your bachelor's degree right away, uh, because I'm going to be leaving someday, and I'd like I think you'd be the best fire chief here. And he never got it. Uh, Didn't have a ticket to even take the test, would have been a great, uh, had all the skill sets, participated in the budgeting, the personnel issues, the operation issues, everything. He had all those skills, uh, but he couldn't take the test, so he didn't have the ticket. And uh, he uh, he, he went to school after I left there, and a few years later got his bachelor's degree, got an opportunity and was selected for College Station, I think about a year ago. And they got the best fire chief that I, I that I've seen since Bruno. This guy's cares and he's he's got skills. So, um, but there are some people. The people that I've had some of the biggest problem with are people that come into the interview process and they got a doctor's degree and they're sitting across from me, and they're just kind of pompous ass. Yeah. And that's not you know that's not everybody. There's there's people that uh, get their degrees and they use them in a real positive way, but. You just the I've seen it. Hey, I got the degree, so I deserve this. No, you get the degree, so now you got a ticket. You got an opportunity to participate in the process.
1: Well, you should be better. You there should be something about your job performance that's better because of your education. You have, you have some more fundamental knowledge or something, but it's hard to measure that a lot, right? Because you don't know where where people are getting that information
2: from. Well, so you know the I think in in. I guess we're, when we're talking education, right? So that they said that they, the most effective um, definition of education is a change in behavior, right? So you go to school, you, you learn something, it changes your behavior. You go to training, it changes your behavior. So you can get that change in behavior being connected to the organization and through some of the assignments you do and the work that you do on the job. Um the problem with it is with uh, tuition reimbursement and some other issues is we got some people taking some classes that don't that don't that did not help them do their job.
0: Welding right? totally helped me.
2: What'd you get it in?
0: Welding. See, that's perfect. You <laughs> can hold a crew together.
2: <laughs> but
0: So, uh, you
2: know, so now I, I do think there's probably some education that, for instance, so somebody goes through paramedic training. Uh, man, you better be able to read and write and arithmetic, right? Right.
0: You got to. Mm-hmm.
2: You got to have the basic skills of education. And we've seen firefighters that were hired um, back in the day. I don't know if there's a whole lot of them out there anymore, but they they didn't have a whole lot of education. Nowadays, you couldn't pass a test. You couldn't compete for a firefighter job without going to some sort of school to get your education, right? You got to be able to understand principles and uh um i think you got to have some sort of a uh be able to work things out in your mind and
0: yeah you have to be able to problem solve and stuff like that i don't see it as like i have a master's degree too but all all that's done for me is prepared me for whatever position that i'm in it it hasn't it's only a small portion of it because my belief is Education without practical experience is basically bullshit. Yeah. So you don't have it, but like at let's say at battalion chief, deputy chief, uh, like assistant chief level, like I would, I would think people or members or whoever would want to be able to be able to write an effective essay, be able to you know write things down correctly. At that point, you've probably worked in Excel, so you can like see a budget, work a budget, like the basics of like being in an administrative position is because you're not going to get it in yeah. some 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 guys or girls come from a really good high school experience where they maybe were not some honors classes or just like were are really good in school in high school and that stuff translates but i see a deficiency out there and i'm not talking about our, our department just in general where it's like how can you be effective as a leader or a supervisor when you don't like when you lack the written ability to be able to do things because like you're Ultimately, going to put together a training? Like, if you've never seen Microsoft PowerPoint, like, how are you going to be able to put that shit together?
2: Yeah, so I guess we're <laughs> now I, I see where you come from. So, you know, I've actually thought of those up until you just said that. Is So, when you asked me about education, I thought of all the things that you were describing as life skills.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly,
2: I did. I, right. I just That's think, man, fair, every, yeah. everybody should know how to do all that. And you're right, there's some people that are better at. At, at putting together a document than other people, but that's where you got the team concept. You know, we don't send out a document from the executive team uh, in, in the organization that I've been working. In, a couple of eyes are on them. Hey, what do you guys think of this? I'm yeah. sending it out. Is this is this informational? Is this educational? Is this something that uh, requires somebody to act? Yep. You know, so we look at each document a little bit different. But yeah, I see what you're saying. I was, you you have to have those skills. You got to have the basics. Um, but it's,
0: I've seen uh, guy, chiefs that are like, like pull up Excel and they're like, eh, like, like they, they've never seen it before. It's like, that is not a good thing if you're ru- running a program or a section. Where's like the Excel do. button on the pump panel? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I see what you guys are saying. Yeah. You need to have those lifes. That's education. Yeah. <laughs> okay. For yeah. sure. And people are going to listen to this go, that chief's crazy. But <laughs> I, I see they know those, that I idea. really do. I see those as life skills that, um, I've never taken a class to learn Excel or to write a document. Although, you know, in paramedic training and other in other classes I've taken, you've had to write a lot of documents. But yeah, I, I guess that's a, that, that's probably your point. I've never taken a class where here's a classman on our class on documentation. Right, right. Except for maybe in paramedic training. Right. Well, they have we to teach you how to lie. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> I went to the Dave Sanchez School of EMS Documentation. How's that look? It, it was good. It was good. I got I got a four year degree there. Right. Uh Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I guess, you know, I don't want to I don't want to downplay education because I think people should get their education because that's your ticket. That's your opportunity. Right. You got it. You got to get to the show. Uh, to, you got to get your ticket to get to the show
0: I don't think you need it at all levels But if you're going to be a BC or a, or a deputy Or an assistant chief like You better have the life skills Or the ability to write an essay Write a document Know how yeah. to form sentences and paragraphs Because and I, I argued with, with an assistant chief one time uh, That thought the executive summary Should be in the back of a document I'm like uh, no. Can you look up the definition of executive summary and <laughs> it goes in the front. That's called the conclusion. That's <laughs> so. yeah. Well,
1: so there's another part of education, and and I remember Bruno telling me as a 22 year old firefighter that an education is people and places. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. can you can you talk a little bit about that because uh, it is easy in a large organization to become sheltered and you know very focused uh, on where wherever wherever it is you reside and you work, um, and not pay attention to what else is going on around you in in the industry and other departments and, and you know, fire behavior stuff right now is a great yeah. example, right? Yeah,
2: yeah you, you have to stay connected. And, you know, I'm not a conference guy, right? <clears throat> so... Uh, there was a time uh, as I was moving up, we were doing a lot of conferences here yeah, in, you, in the Valley. You couldn't we, go two
1: or three months without having one here. No, and,
2: and we taught at every one of them, Nick and John and I, and we taught all kinds of topics. So we, we so when we started going out after that, uh, we did a couple of the conferences. I know there's some good things that goes on in conferences, but I just don't go to conferences a lot. But you need if you don't go to conferences, you need to stay connected to what's happening in the... The, the pertinent information that's taken place and the fire dynamics was a big piece of that right and uh, so you, you got you you need to make sure that you're connected you just can't put your head down in your organization and not look up right uh, you got to stay connected to what's happening in the rest of the fire service um, that's why the guys like um, uh don abbott who brings back information for us all the time about mayday because we're not going to be able to have the the resources that he has to just to get all that information but you got to be able to connect to that and then i've heard you say and i agree once you know you know right so once you know about fire dynamics how do you operate any other way how do you not make that a part of your organization we just had your uh a residential ventilation class what yesterday um, yeah i'm sorry yeah no yeah. oh, our guys our guys actually uh thought that that you did an excellent job with
0: that they, must not know very they much. were easily fooled yeah i'm like they must not know very much yeah.
2: well he was he was educated so <laughs> i'm an ass. <asshole. laughs> but uh so i just i uh, you got to stay connected to what's going on and um We get really caught up in our own organization and the day to day. There's a book that's where they talk about getting caught up in the day to day whirlwind and not really getting past that. But you got to make time throughout your day. I know you do a lot, Chris. Brandon, I'm not sure if you do, but if you're hanging around him, you probably do. Where he's sending me information from across the country all the Uh,
0: time. Oh, we send it back and forth. I think Uh, all kinds of stuff.
2: Yeah. So you got to make time for that, and I don't know how you schedule that, but you got to make it somewhere along the way. It's got to be a priority to see what's happening out there.
0: I try and do 30 minutes, 30 minutes of, of some topic.
2: Yeah, they said Brunacini, uh, apparently at one time I heard that he read 100 pages of something every day. I believe it. Yeah. So, but I try to stay connected. And, uh, and then you, how do you share that? So, you know, we're, we're kind of guilty in the fire services. And we send, we send our guys to uh, conventions and stuff. And then we never have them come back with anything, right? Hey, I want to send you here, so that's what I've tried to do. Just a hangover. Yeah, I've tried to do exactly right. (laughs) Less money, hangover. You you could stand on your liver and find our parked car. (laughs) But. So, um, so when we send somebody, it's like, okay, what classes are you going to take? I'm not going to, you know, no, I don't want to know every detail. But what classes you are you really interested in? And then what are you going to bring back to us? And they, we ask them to bring back something for the organization and share that with the rest of us. But we're not very good at that as a, as a firefighters. Yeah, which,
0: which is a normal thing because, like, as as a younger portion in corporate America, if I ever was sent somewhere. My, most of my bosses said, hey, write me a summary of what you learned, whatever else. So, like, I'd have to write, like, a two- or three-page thing. And sometimes when we send, actually, when we send our people out to training in other states for construction stuff, like, I always, like, I come back, hey, tell me what you learned. And sometimes it's informal. Yeah, because you Let's may very well learn something from them. Well, and is, Yeah, for yeah. like, 100%. And, and I want them to be able to tell me what they learned. I'm like, okay, now they're under, because most of the time I've already been to the training. Like, I want to see if they're picking up what, yeah. you know what what they're putting out there for sure so yeah. would
2: you would you con- we'll go back to education so that's education Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Right? yeah absolutely yeah, not yeah. the not the formal classroom where you sit down and you're you know although like you said i mean that's that's useful but um yeah that's the education i think is is necessary And to get out and talk to firefighters. Like, you know, fire chiefs aren't educated about their organizations because they don't visit fire stations. I don't think fire chiefs ought to spend every day in fire stations because if you're doing that, you're probably not doing what you need to do uh, down at City Hall or or wherever. But go out and visit your troops and try to educate yourself on what's happening in the organization. What are some of the priorities? What are they talking about at the table?
0: Well, you're listening, like... I feel like a lot of times in in my experience, when a chief comes out to talk to somebody, it's a one sided conversation. It's yeah. not a collaborative thing they really don't don't want to know what's going on they're they're either putting information one way that came from somewhere else, and that's all it is and sometimes it's a regurgitated you know statement yeah. and, and or and or when they're coming out they're investigating something because of whatever reason yeah,
2: so you you know. <laughs> We do have chiefs uh, at, all, at all levels. Who the only time they show up in a fire station or something bad happens. Yeah, right. Yeah, That's right? not good. You don't no. want to see that guy there, right. right? You want to see him kind of where you have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. That old book. I think there was a book that people are studying called Buddy to Boss. Yeah, Chase Sergeant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we talk about what I my response just to the title of that book is man, it would be it would be so much better to supervise your buddy. Right. How would you like to supervise somebody? Have you ever been supervised? Bruno used to say this. Have you ever had a boss? You feel like he didn't like you? It's mm-hmm. a terrible feeling. Yes, I've yeah. had that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, Chris, that's a terrible <laughs> feeling. Right. So you want to you want to you. <laughs> I would hate for one of my firefighters to think I didn't like him. And you know, I don't really love them all. Yeah, for <laughs> right? sure, you can't. And some of the things they do over the years, it's like irritating. But <laughs> you, if you don't, Bruno says, once, I was,
1: I, I'm, I happen to be aware there was one firefighter in Phoenix. You were okay with him knowing that you hated him.
2: Yeah, there was one, and then there was one in Daisy Mountain. I couldn't stand. But you ever meet somebody the first time you meet a guy? I said, God, I hate you. Yeah,
0: the dude from Florida Volunteering, we'll right there, Brian. Yeah, right there. I hey, no Brian. <laughs> I see him. He never has a mic in front of him. He can't yeah, have it. He right of a cannot yeah. defend himself. Just it's one way talking shit, and that's it.
2: But I there was a guy in, in Daisy Mountain. First time I met the guy, it's like I hate this guy. <laughs> in fact, I didn't apply for the fire chief there because it's like I don't want to work around that guy. Oh wow it was yeah. that serious. But, it matters, um, yeah. And then there was a guy in, who, uh, in, and he was a fire captain when I was hired. I was 19, and I parted my hair in the middle. I was right out of the Army, and he thought I was a hippie because I part my It's like, you're an ass. Yeah,
0: yeah I guy you got no style. Yeah.
2: I don't part, <laughs> I don't part my hair. That's where the axe hit me.
0: <laughs> so uh, the
1: next thing I want to ask is because you have, again, had some really, really unique perspective, is what does labor management look like In other places. And do we take it for granted here?
2: So um, because
1: because you 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 have four ninety three representation, you know, we're part of four ninety three. We know it well here.
2: Well, we have great labor management here, right? So whenever I was hired, uh, whether it was Oceanside or Houston or even Glendale, they always ask one of the because the HR guy or the city manager puts this question down: is uh, what What did your? Um, w- w- they ask somehow like what did you What do you think of labor management relations? Or they ask Have you ever been involved with labor management relations? That always comes up. So I always kind of give them this this uh, thing that I've. I learned a long time ago, and I said, you know, labor management is is great. In fact, it's if you got effective labor management relations, that's the best thing you can do, you know. But labor management relations, they don't eliminate issues. In fact, what labor management does, it creates a process to that you can use when you have an issue that you can't agree on, right? So um, and when you take this issue, the greatest thing with labor management is. Is you're working together, it's kind of like mom and dad, and I hate to make it sound that way, but that's kind of what it's like. It's like a, the relationship affects the entire organization. You can see people when their parents don't get along, how they, how it just wears them out. And labor relation, I don't know who the mom or the dad is. I think we
0: it probably changes daily, right?
2: Yeah, we, I don't know. Switch roles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody's on top though, so don't <laughs> spoon. go spoon. Big spoon, just big spoon spooning. versus small spooning. It's, spoon. it's <laughs> not that's it. Yeah. But uh, so. <laughs> wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to have a relationship where you like you're with your spouse at home and uh you're that you're having a great day and then all of a sudden an issue comes up that you disagree on. And I always tell people, okay, it's Friday afternoon, you and your wife you've got this whole thing planned and all of a sudden you disagree on this issue. And the issue could be so freaking stupid, but you disagree on it. Well, there's how's, a lot the, of those. how's the rest of your weekend go? Right? Yeah. It, the whole. Everything. I've been
1: married twenty four years and we have never disagreed.
2: Yeah, because your wife's right all the time. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> exactly. and you and you cook. Yeah,
0: that's why he's on on one. That's smart. Anybody yeah. could be married once. That's yeah. bullshit. Pussy. Yeah.
2: I wouldn't even count that Poor. one.
0: It's worth doing. You got to do it a couple of times. Yeah, right.
2: Anything worth doing is worth doing twice. <laughs> I say. That's my construction skills. But um, so uh. But labor relations, you can disagree about an issue and then you work on the other issues. And you say, okay, we're going to disagree on this. Let's put this over here, whether it's mandatory overtime that we just went through in our organization or something else, like we're not eye to eye on this. Let's put this over here. Let's continue working on these other issues. Get them worked out. Come back to this one with some ideas, some more input. Think about it a little bit. What are some other people doing? You know, Go out and get the... Critical information that we talked about, and then we can work on that. But the one issue can't shut down the entire relationship, right? and uh we need
0: adults in the room right that right? can actually w- when you don't agree with stuff and there's conflict you're not like "Ah, eh,
2: fuck terry this is right.
0: bullshit like
2: wait you know we got adults at home with parents and they don't, <laughs> they don't they so you actually have to say that in advance we're going to agree to disagree and then work on the other issues and my wife and i actually did that at one point we were building the house and on uh, Carefree, and they said, okay, when you do that, when you buy your building permit, go ahead and get a divorce c- certificate, too, because you're going to need... <laughs> just, just draft it. Yeah, yeah just, just You're going to need yeah. that, and yeah. what we did is we came up with, you have that responsibility, I have this, and when we disagree, we'll just come back to that, and it actually worked out really well. Nice. Yeah, this one I've been married to 28 years, because I'm afraid. Because she's tougher <laughs> yeah. than the rest of them. So yeah, <laughs> But anyway, that's We're so labor relations are, are very strong. So yesterday, so we had an issue um, recently. We felt like we had a rash of uh, customer complaints, and I was telling Chris about it. So a rash in our organization is three or four, because we are the care bearers in Glenda. We treat people so incredibly well, and have been for have have done so forever. So now we get like three or four complaints in a row. It's like oh my god, we got a rash. So the union and president, and I meet, and we go to let's go to a fire station. let's sit down and talk to people and say hey, we recognize, you know, there's a lot of crap going on in the world and there's a lot of issues, social issues and the city manager and us aren't always agreeing on everything. labor relations coming forward, your I don't know, whatever issues we're having, but at the end of the day, we got to treat Mrs. Smith nice. We got to go out and we got to do what we always do, which is be uh, excellent at delivering that customer service experience. <laughs> and I know it's hard because I know the calls have changed. So I'm not just some goofy guy sitting up here going, oh, yeah, everybody has an emergency. But we go on those yeah. calls, right? So I get it. And, and really, like you said earlier, Chris, is understanding we know, I know the kind of calls you guys are going on. I get it, man. I haven't been on the floor in somebody's bedroom or sitting on the edge of their bed or down in their carpet in a long time I remember what it was like to do that that's for me, when I promote, it's like, thank God I don't have to go in anybody else's house. <laughs> right? Right. How bad is that? Sometimes so, bad. So you gotta got to recognize how difficult that part of the job is. But you got to remind them, hey, man, but we got to be nice. At the end of the day, we could outperform the city manager, the HR director, all, this, all the council members on the planet. If we're nice to the customers, we will win in the end.
1: Well, and there's something, too, is you cannot make your customers the enemy. If, if, if we make the customers our enemy, if we make uh, the city leadership our enemies, then uh, we are, we're, we're fighting and we're paying attention to things that aren't about service delivery and aren't about safety and aren't about education. So, I, I, uh, um, yeah, I, 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 what you said matters a ton to me.
2: Oh, and it, so we did that as, as a labor man. We did it together. You know, we went to our, uh, we had an issue last week. Here's another example. Labor management, man. I, I depend on this guy. And by the way, we got a guy, he's a new president. He's doing a great job. Um, and he's he's connected. He spends a lot of time working. A lot of He puts in more hours than I do. And uh, we got a paramedic class at a community college. And as part of the paramedic training, they got to go do clinicals at a hospital. The hospital that they're connected to decided that, Everybody needed to uh, that came through the clinicals needs to have a vaccination. Yep, that's a really big deal, right? So EMTs, paramedics, nurses, everybody has to have a vaccination. So we're about a month into a paramedic class, um, and it's a class with five different agencies, five different fire departments. And I said, well, I'm going to get down there right away because, we, first of all, we said, okay, is there, an op, is there an option B? Can the college come up with another, you know, whether it's high-fidelity training or something else to, to take the place of clinicals? So we gave them about a week and a half. They couldn't do anything with that. They go, no, the guys are going to have to get vaccinated. So we met, I asked the union president, I said, hey, I'm going to go talk to these guys. You want to go with me? He goes, I'd love to go with you because he goes, I'm going to get the calls right after you leave, right? So I'd love to go with you. So we went there. We had seven guys there. One guy was actually off sick. Um, Two of them had their vaccinations. So six of them didn't out of the eight students we had. And uh, there was about three or four that weren't planning on getting vaccinated. So So we sat down and said, hey, I'm sorry, guys, but... That explained to him the situation, explained there was no plan B, and gave him a choice. It's like, I'm not going to be mad at you, but uh, by Friday, this is a Wednesday, by Friday, uh, you guys have been here about three weeks. By Friday, I need to know if you're willing to get vaccinated, and if you're not, i got to send you back to the fire station. You're going to be a firefighter, which... One guy said, well, you know, this is the first time in my life. I've never had a choice. I have to do something. I said, no, no, let me say it again. You got the choice. The choice is you can go be a firefighter, and I'm not mad at you. He said, don't be mad at me, um, but uh, you can't finish the training. So why would I want you to stay in here another week or two weeks or three weeks, and we're paying overtime, and you're just wasting your time at this point. So I said, so about four of them got fired up. I'm not getting, I'm not going to say, time out. Go home and talk to your
0: spouses. <laughs> talk to don't, the smart one. Don't
2: use group the group mentality in yeah. here. Go go back and talk to your spouses. And then the union president jumped in, and he kind of said everything I said using completely different words, and it made perfect sense. And some of the people that looked frustrated with me were nodding with him, you know, because that's just kind of human nature. Yep. And uh, they went, and we only had one guy out of the eight that said, no, I'm going to go back. And he went back. You know, on Friday, he started uh, back at the uh, fire station as a firefighter, and that's the choice he made. So without labor relations, how big of would that have got? If the labor would have said, no, I'm going to take a different position than the fire chief. We'd be fighting on that about that forever. And then Bruna Sidney used to say the way people treat each other before a fatal event is the way they're going to treat each other about a week after the fatal event. True. And so if you're not getting along and you're not trying to work together, and it's not get along, go along to get along, it's actually having robust conversations and disagreements and here's why we're trying to do this and different points of views and people see different, different, uh, have I different, different ideas and stuff. Um, That's what you really need. If you don't have that, and then you go out and you kill a firefighter, for whatever reason, man, that organization is going to implode. So you got the parents got to be getting along when something bad happens. And you guys have seen it. You've you've been on calls where mom and dad had an argument that day, and then they found a kid in the pool, right? right? How does that go for you? So it's just uh, I think that you got to try. It's probably one of the most I'm glad you asked it because it's probably the number one most important principle. Now, what, what I've seen in Houston, so in Houston, I was there five years and had four union presidents. Mm, that's and, tough. Yeah, it was tough on them. It was tough on oh, the yeah, union president. Yeah. You know, in most places you go to, and I saw it in Phoenix, uh... For a while, and I've seen it in other places. Is the union is better connected and kind of communicate more effectively? Can have as, more stability a lot of as times as a team. Yeah, yeah. and right. they and they spend more time as a team. I, I went to the trustee meeting yesterday and watched how they interacted with each other. And it's like, man, these guys are sharp. They're all nine of them are meeting. there representing the different fire stations, and they're just really doing a good job. And I, you know, I'd love to get all us to do that all the time. All of our our executive team. So uh, many times they're more connected. So when I went through four union presidents, they were so busy fighting with each other. Probably is why I was able to be there five over five years, is because <laughs> I really wasn't a target. It right? took all the heat off you. Right? They were yeah. yeah, they were they were arguing about uh, different things. And I thought that first union president when I got there, I really liked him. And then some some happened along the way, and he got kind of mean spirited, and I don't know why honestly. And uh, so. Uh, I've seen it. So, when I, okay, here's the deal. I arrive in the city of Houston as a fire chief. I don't know where the bathroom is, right? I, I'm staying <laughs> at a hotel. I'd never been to Houston before the day that I went to the interview. And at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the finance director wants to talk to me. He says, okay. He comes in with the assistant chief at the time, two other assistant chiefs. And they go, we got a problem. And I go, what is it? They go, well, $40 million in overtime. I said, okay, next year? And I go, no, now. It's like, okay. Yeah, $40 million
1: at, over budget.
2: Over budget. What did I in say? In overtime. Sorry. I get yep. of, I'm dyslexic. We're $40 million over in overtime. Yep. We've overspent $40 million. Oh, my God. So I said to him, I said, well, what does the union say about it? Because the, the problem didn't happen today. They're just telling me because I got there today, that, <laughs> that day.
1: <laughs> They're handing you that term. Yeah, here you
2: go. <laughs> And I said, well, what did the union say about it? They go, why would we tell the union? I go, what do you mean? They go, we're not telling the union. If we tell the union, they're going to go out, and, man, they're going to use this against us. This whole thing's going to blow up. Guys, it's already blowing up. Pretty healthy. Pretty healthy relationship. I said, we need to tell them. And they're like, why would we tell them? I said, because they're going to help us solve it. they got to help us solve the problem. It's it's, going to be a staffing problem. It's going to be getting people to work problem whatever it is i don't know what the problem is but we got a we got a financial issue so uh, that day uh called in the union president uh he met me the next day we went over he's like he's looking at me across there. i can't believe you're telling me this you know like thank you for telling me this thank you for bringing me in and make me a part of this discussion i said yeah i need your help we were able to solve the problem and uh we we got some created uh things where we sent people back to the field that shouldn't have been in staff positions that's a big deal in an organization right sure when you take uh 40 or 50 firefighters and say you're no longer in those staff positions we don't really need you there i'm not sure what you're doing but that doesn't need to be counted again (laughs) so go back out to the field right and we did that and then we uh, moved some companies around we didn't have to decrease our staffing which i would never do four person staffing is the way to go and we were able to get uh, at least twenty million of it solved, which showed the mayor that we tried and then she put up the other twenty million because we actually came up with a partial plan with a plan to pay for partial
0: Hold um, on, give and take? What? And then at
2: the end of it the real the issue I was able after we were able to after a few years to, to convince the mayor that it wasn't an overtime problem, it's a staffing problem. And we hired three hundred firefighters over a, a very short period of time, and hmm. was able to get uh, more firefighters in less overtime. Nice. that was money, there's a cost to that, yeah right? yeah yeah, so
0: so kind of what Chris had told me that when when you walked into Houston and kind of what I'm hearing Commander voice now, it's like there sounds like there was a bit of a morale problem when you showed up there well, I think there was they had
2: a, they loved the fire chief that was there. And he was an inside guy, and uh, came up through the system. And he was there when I got there. So he just, you know, you're the fire chief today. He went
1: back to being a battalion chief yeah. or a district chief, right?
2: Yeah, district chief. Yeah, yeah. so really good guy, man, smart guy. And uh, what he went through, and him losing his job, and uh, that that sucked a lot of morale out of it. The issue was it had to do with uh, firefighters and the way we treat each other, and and that kind of thing, and there. When you uh, have an issue like that where this just happened to be about a female firefighter, people start picking sides. And whenever you have an organization picking sides on a pretty caustic issue like that, it becomes a problem for morale.
0: How did you go about disarming everyone and getting them back on the same page and kind of getting that morale back to where you thought it was appropriate?
2: Well, I'm still working on it. (laughs) No, you know what we did is we, we... the first thing I did when I went in is I, I would show up, so my wife lived for about 40 months, uh, three and a half years, she lived in Phoenix and I lived in Houston and I would, so I had a lot of time, right? I wanted to stay out of trouble so I stayed at work a lot and I would just show up at a fire station that, I, I remember walking into a fire station in Kingwood and going in and going, hi, and it was a two, I don't know, it was Saturday or Sunday or Sunday, They go, hello, who are you? And the guy goes, are you our fire chief? Like, yeah, we've never seen a fire chief at our fire
0: station. Like a unicorn. Ever My, in mythic, our entire life. Mythic character. <laughs> so, Did you show up like this? Who took uh, you I there? Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, I'd have to mo- Google it. Remember, <laughs> remember, I Googleized it. MapQuest.
2: <laughs> a lot of Where time. was your driver? They locked me out. Like but I just show up at fire station, and I didn't have to show up. So you got you know ninety three fire stations at the time, and you show up at more than two or three, and then everybody at all ninety three know The firemen like, talk? You all right. <laughs> so I just show up and I just be nice to them and talk to them. Hey, how's it going here? What do you guys kind of calls you guys go on? I'm here, you know. Tell a couple of stupid jokes that I that I have, and uh, they were polite enough to laugh, you know. <laughs> And uh, they, they, by the way, the, the Houston Farva—I was I tell Chris, and I said it last time—never disrespected one time, for one moment by any of them. They were just really good, good people that way. Now, when I left the room, you yeah. know, you're not a motherfucker till you leave the room. <laughs> so I don't know how that went, but I don't—it doesn't matter what other people think about you. It's none of your business, right? So, um, but that. So I got out, and I think they—that old saying and it sounds stupid, but it actually works—is. People don't care what you know till they know that you care. Mm -hmm. So I was telling them, hey, I care about you guys. I'm here. What can we do? And, you know, uh, I sat down at lunch. A couple guys said, we want to go to lunch with you. I said, okay. Don't know who you are. Went to lunch with these guys. One guy shows up. Uh, Both of them had burns on them. They had suffered uh, some pretty serious burns at a couple different wind-driven fires. Um, and one guy could have died. He put his hands over his, he put his gloves over his face as his mask failed and he exited the building and had third degree burns on both of his back of his hands.
0: Bad mamajima. And yeah, these guys met
2: with me and said, here's our issues and, and we need firefighter safety and what are you going to do for us? And I spoke with them and then we started really getting engaged. Um, and so the first thing I did there is I brought out that accountability model. I said, okay, we're going to change. But I don't know what we're going to change yet, but we're going to change. We're going to decide what we're going to change as an organization. I have some ideas, but here's the model we're going to use to change it. And uh, I think that that was the beginning of maybe this guy's not an asshole. Maybe he doesn't have three heads. You know, he is from out of town. But, you know, and and I think, honestly, a lot of it is they heard I was from Phoenix. And pretty much Phoenix had – Bruno had talked about a fire they had. Uh, where they lost some guys and, and Bruno went there and somehow the news um, got a quote from Bruno and Bruno said, hey, if my house is on fire, I want to use some firefighters. Wow. So they, so just the fact that he, that he said that, I can't tell you how many times that was brought up. Hey, you're from Phoenix, you're a Bruno guy, and we really are Bruno guys. Yeah. And you're a Bruno guy and uh, man, okay, we're going to give you a chance they didn't all. they didn't all like me and they didn't they probably some of them still think oh you were the mayor's pet but i never was and and i told the mayor we're not we can't do that we can't mess with this and this and this and fire fire safety and customer service and i'm not a pension guy and
0: now now that i got you i got all kinds of questions so fire service is pretty young um it, it's becoming younger the baby boomers are starting to retire experience of, of the 20 30 47 year guys like Dave Sanchez like that's starting to go out the door quickly yeah and, and there's a vacuum and a void there so um, we're seeing a lot of younger uh, members become supervisors captains battalion chiefs stuff like that um, that do not even have uh, a 20th of the experience of, of like some of these caps like even me I've been a captain for I don't even know five years now I think that's a very junior still um, um, I do, and and it's just, and and how do you, how do you fill that void w- with, um, the appropriate training or knowledge or ability or yeah. experience, knowing that you know, kind of what you said, like fire fire safety is kind of your first one.
2: Yeah. So, uh, and you know, I'm going to go back to the education piece because we we all were kind of floundering with that a little bit. But so I see training as is very very needed right we need to train we need to train our firefighters so that i see that kind of different from the the college education yeah that's the organizational training and it's our responsibility to to really train people one class that i on we're putting together a captain's academy now for our next group and we're looking at a week and a week may not be enough and uh, we got a guy there who's the construction teaching guru for our organization and He's, he's the guy that's going to kind of lead the, lead this discussion. And we, he goes away and he shows me his original curriculum and it's got eight hours of uh, uh, building construction, right? And they go off and they meet and they, he gets a group and it's labor management. He comes back, he goes, okay, here's a revise. And I look down, the first thing they did is they cut out a couple hours of building construction. Like, what, what happened here? It he was, well, the group decided, I said, nah, bullshit. So are you guys meeting? So they were meeting. So I walk into their meeting this earlier this week and I go, Hey guys, how's it going?
0: I'm about ready to rain. on.
2: (laughs) You know, there's nothing worse than asking people to do something. And then when they do, you go, okay, we're not doing that. I did that. Yeah. I said, we can't build a construction, man. People need to know building construction. Agree. People died in Houston, Texas when a roof fell on them. You know, we had our four firefighters die at the Southwest freeway fire and building construction knowledge is one of those things. You absolutely need to know what you're walking under, what what are the components to a structure, how a fire impacts the structure, the Matikowski um, information that we have. But so that was a big thing for me. So um, when you get a, when you get young firefighters, we need to train them. You know, so that's different from education. Organization, we can train people. And there was a time in the CTC when Nick and John and I were training 600 firefighters every session. And we were going through the eight functions of command. And we started off with, um, and it was 800 or 600 firefighters throughout the valley. And uh, we were trying to do it in a month. And then we realized about after the first session, oh no, we need to do this in four months. So um, we changed our time schedule. We were able to get people through. We got through all eight functions of command. Think about that. So we went through eight, each function. I was in
1: those classes.
2: All eight of them, each one took four months. And that was our primary job. So a lot of times we say we won't train people because we can't find the time. Well, adjust the time. Do whatever is necessary. What is to get more the time. important. Right. Get the time right to where you adjust it. We create this deal. We created this. it's got to be done in three months because that's a quarter. Who says it's got to be three months because it's a quarter? Who says that this has to be uh, 40 hours? You know, we got to do this every week. You know, we create these these, uh, calendars um, that really restrict us to training. So I think training is absolutely important.
0: And don't put meaningless parameters around it.
2: No. And then the thing about it is don't confuse training with information. So when you pull guys and you take them out of service and you pull them into a classroom, and you got a group of people and you don't educate them, you inform them, you could do that some other way. You do that with a, a memo, a video, conversations through your chief officers, which probably you need all those to right. get the message across. But when you get somebody so we did that at the CTC too. It's like, okay, as soon as we started the CTC, we would have every assistant chief. I just talked about this the other day in the, the captain's training meeting. Is every every um because they had some issues in there, it's like, no, you need to get that out. I was pretty autocratic. And uh I said, you know, this happened with the CTC is we had our um uh, other people coming in that were our level in the organization or higher, saying, "Well, here I need 15 minutes to talk about this." And it's like, "Nope." <laughs> we we had the fire chief's permission to say, "Nope." So you'd have assistant chiefs. I need to talk about this really important personnel uh, documentation process. Nope, this is a CTC. <laughs>
1: Go talk to Big Al. Yeah,
2: yeah. and uh, we so we pissed off a lot of people. They probably still don't like us, but so you so organizations have to take responsibility because everything you said is true. They are we, we are hiring those type type of folks. You know, there's not a lot of construction background. That no, to me anymore. that is that's yeah. lacking more than anything else. Is you'll ask guys, you know, and what'd you do before? And it's not a mean spirited way, but th- there's not a whole lot of construction workers out there like when I was hired.
0: No, different time.
2: Right, different time. So we need to educate them in those areas. For sure. And you just got to make that an organizational priority, and it fits right up with firefighter safety and customer service. It's One of those high priorities you got to take time for.
1: Uh, Training reinforces those two things in a big, big way.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, so you got, you said, five years as a company officer? Yeah. So I'm sure that. Um, you've been on fires. You you got a rolodex, right? So you create that rolodex we talk about. But if you go through training, you, we have a CTC in the city of Glendale that we're running our captains through right now and our prospective captains, and we're getting them all lined up. Um, so we're pretty fortunate with that. But so you use that, right, Matt? Mm-hmm. Setup so you can make it five years into what seven or eight. Yep. You can't make it ten. No. With but you can start getting it up, and then st- and then when you do get a fire. Now, what do you do on a fire? What a great opportunity. We always talk about after action reports and after you know, not a report but an after mm-hmm. action review review and interaction is really what it is. At the tell board or whether it's formal. I don't see those taking place the way they used to. It's one of my so our chief officers when I got to Glendale, they were meeting once a month and they call it the gold badge meeting. <laughs> First thing I did say, Okay, we're not gonna call it that stupid. <laughs> Uh, who thought that up? I
1: was very autocratic.
2: Yeah, yeah. there was probably s- somebody in the <laughs> room probably thought that up, and I just annihilated. Yeah. You know, I just al- <laughs> alienated and annihilated. And uh, so uh, cool. we're gonna call it. How about we call it like a command meeting? Yeah, we're command officers or something. A but it, it shouldn't be about our badges, because <laughs> I'm not wearing my gold badge every day, right?
0: So. Um, not on the outside. Not on the outside.
2: <laughs> it's stapled to my. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: Not have anything. underwear, this gold badges all over.
2: So when I got there, they were, we were talking about all those issues that I you know, all the personnel issues and all the city issues, and it's like, what a, this is unfortunate. We all come together, guys on their days off, we're coming in. It's like, no, we're going to do an after action every meeting, and we're going to review, do a building review, right, a walkthrough, tactical premise, something. And we do that now, and guys are showing up
0: and having conversations. I love it. Yeah, we used to do more. I like I haven't heard very much, but I was never a fan of this. All went awesome. Like (laughs) fuck no, all of it didn't go awesome. (laughs) Like, and
1: even if it did, there's things even if it did. Yeah, or you say this is why it went awesome. So next time, because if it was luck that it went awesome today, mm-hmm. then I want you to actually make a real decision next time yeah. for it to
0: go for it to go well. Well, because I because I've stood there sometimes. I'm like, this did not go fucking well. well. Yeah, that, let's that, that, that is actually a have the conversation of why it didn't go well. Let's 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 yeah. learn why this like this didn't go well, or how come it did. It. It didn't go well. Like, let's talk about this. Not like, uh, everything was great. You guys did a good job. Like, no, we didn't do a fucking good job. There, right. there yeah. ought to
2: be two columns in an after action report that says, w- do it again, don't do it again. <laughs> yeah, keep yeah. it simple, right? What right. Well, if right. just did that? Said, yeah. "All the, the, do these things again. That on scene report, man, that was great. Do that again. Mm-hmm. Do this again. 360. Don't do this again. Whatever it is. And you go through it that way, and it's like, and don't get, you know, some people are sensitive.
0: Oh my God! You know I mean? Well, so it's interesting. It's we chiefs too. We
1: like to compare <laughs> ourselves to athletes, right? In, in, a, in
0: certain ways, we're
2: industrial athletes.
0: Yeah, you right. Heard that. And, yeah. uh, Lowest paid athletes in the world. But I've never <laughs> met
1: a group of people that are more unwilling to look at game tape because <laughs> all they do in <laughs> yeah. collegiate and professional sports is yeah. watching game Watch tape film. what yeah. happened how can i do that better and i, I have never met a bigger group of people yeah. the fire the fire, firefighters just in general who cannot stand to look at game tape
2: back to education you know that ought to be we had to log those in as hours right education hours oh yeah. yeah time we do that yeah. that's that's a, that's training that's right.
1: education. So um, the last question that I wanted to make sure that I asked today is yeah, uh, want lunch <laughs> is uh,
0: we offer subway sandwiches here,
1: <laughs> uh, the six inch, not the twelve inch. Oh yeah, uh, um,
2: how can you tell the difference? <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So uh, you had some really um, interesting. It's not. It's that. That's not a great word, but I. Uh, but I'm saying it deliberately. Deliberately, some interesting. Experiences because you lost firefighters in Houston, and what about that made you a different fire chief? Or what about that made you a different fire chief today?
2: Yeah, so we so I I did have uh, unique experiences, right, that I wouldn't want anybody else to have, and uh, I'm not special because I was the fire chief that had them. And the first thing I never want, I I did not want to do, is be the the guy that takes the Southwest Supermarket on the road. Yeah. And, okay, this is my deal. I'm not talking. You know, we're going to talk about organizationally. Like we're going to learn from her. We're going to use her recovery, and we're going to try not to make it happen again. You know, some of the unique. Before I go on that though, the most I think even before that, not the most, but the first unique experience I had. I was there just a few months, and we had a daycare fire. You remember that? I one? do remember that. It ladies, was an arson fire, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, arson. Well, it wasn't arson. So what had happened is this woman, and I'll say her name because uh, she's probably in jail somewhere, but Jessica Tata. You can. She I would, remember. She was it. watching. A sweet name. She was watching nine children in her home in Houston, and uh, she oh. decided to go get some groceries at Target or Walmart or I don't know where the hell she went. And she left the kids, and the kids were from ages like two to seven and eight. Ah. And when she left them, she was cooking something on the stove, like some beans or heating up something. And one of the kids pulled it off on himself, oh. and then he ran and lit the whole house on fire. And when I arrived on the scene, uh, we had seven kids in the street that were die- that were either laying there or being taken out, dead children. Ah. And I watched the Houston firefighters that day, and it was a month, a month or two in. I thought these guys, there's no doubt about it, man. I'm gonna do everything I can for these guys because they were, they were, they were doing. Uh, that was a hard day for them, right? And they didn't get a lot of support for that, uh, you know, like we have now. That they, they had a little bit later on, uh, critical incident debriefings and stuff, but not like we do here, man. They all live with that, and they probably still do. Many of them. Uh, but they were finding kids everywhere, the two kids that lived. So then that went through, that became very public. and Jessica Tata, we thought she was a victim. We didn't know we thought she was in the house, so we let her go. and she uh, she went on the lam and left the country. And oh, my God, I had to stand up in front of a the, uh, the city. Uh, a dozen microphones from across the country. Why did you let her leave? I, th- I thought I thought she was a victim. We thought she was part of the, yeah. We t- we wanted to take care of her. We took her over and took care of her, and then she got and fled the country. So that was a mistake, right? Um, so uh, you start really connecting different to firefighters that way, and that's that's when I really thought, okay, this that changed me quite a bit because it really made me feel like man, th- these and I always said it, and I always thought it. Hey, I'm here to support firefighters, but you got to support firefighters, you know. So when I got to Houston. Uh, I told him, um, after about two weeks, I said, this is like a movie theater and you guys had your chairs are facing the wall, man. We got it. this is the command team. I'm going to pick people and we're going to have their chairs facing the screen, which is our firefighters. We're here to support the firefighters. So that became a really big move for me. Even though I thought I did that, I, it really became that, that became my, my mission. And then, you know, we lost, we lost, uh, Dylan, uh, captain Dillon and in a fire and uh, it was the first time i went to the uh, the fallen firefighters in colorado and his family as i checked in i see his family and there's like eight of them there and and i got a room and they got only one room or two rooms and i said hey you got stay in my room so uh, one of the young men stayed in my room it's like okay now i'm getting connected so the way you treat firefighters families then started feeling different about that so I was really connected to him, and, and then a little time goes by, and we're processing that, and we lose we lose the four firefighters, right? And that 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 was the day that it's like, okay. I, my wife said she saw me on the news, and it was one of those days where the fire came in around noon, and I didn't eat breakfast. I don't eat breakfast. I just kind of get up and go, and I'll eat something around 11. Well, I didn't have a chance because I was at the fire, and then we did the. Uh, the uh, TV interview with the mayor and myself and the ops chief uh, about 3 o'clock or something. I hadn't eaten all day, man. And my wife says, you look like you were dying. I said, I think I was just about there. And she said, you Angry. aged on that day.
0: <laughs> I sure. said, yeah. yeah. I, that, How could that you age?
2: Not? Yeah, so I, I actually looked different as a result of that day. But really, it wasn't about me. Once again, it was about the firefighters and watching what they did. And, and a lot of people don't know unless you read the the recovery report, is we saved a guy. Our guys pulled a, a firefighter out, Captain uh, Ironbill Dowling. They pulled him out, and he lost both his legs and lived for about a year. But they made an, a, a recovery underneath a collapsed structure and saved him and pulled him out. And it, when he got in the ambulance, he says, tell my wife, you know, I'm going to be okay, don't worry about it. But later on, he had some issues with bleeding, and and the impact is his uh, mobility and and other things but um yeah so at that point on it's like okay this the job of a firefighter and probably what it did and made me more um, uh, it made me want to support firefighters with all my heart even though bruno would say hey if you don't like firefighters don't be a fire chief and i think bruno really liked firefighters and it really made me think, hey man, I'm here for these guys because they're doing all that shit out there in the street, and I get to wear the you know <coughs> the gold badge and go to all these meetings and meet all the celebrities, you know J.J. Watt and all these guys. None of that really matters. What matters is when I'm there, I'm representing these guys. So it really <coughs> made me quit being a uh, taking it for granted that hey, you represent all these people, and that that was a big deal for me. And you need to get them everything you can to support. <coughs> make sure that they can do their job safely and by everything i mean equipment i mean the training the education um it's my responsibility to provide that so really
1: walking the walk yeah with really to that. like
2: you you can't you can't screw around i listened to your guys uh, podcast the other day and you're young number 16 oh wow
1: yeah so. the people that listen yeah so oh. <laughs> we're getting up I, there now yeah, I listen- thank you for
2: that I listened to that podcast, and when he was talking about his guys getting blown up, and uh, he's oh, twenty—he's yeah. twenty years old—and and, and uh, how you know they just send three more guys. You know, it's remind. I told you, it remind me that. You know, remember uh, Die Hard when they mm-hmm. blew up the uh, the FBI guys were assholes, and they went up in the helicopter and they got blown up, and the cop says, Huh, oh, we're gonna need more FBI guys." <laughs> That's kind of what it seemed like for for him. Yeah. Yeah, they just had three more guys show up. It's yeah, like, oh we'll just, just take these and three more replacements. That's what I, we call I,
0: army guys bullet catchers. Yeah, right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I you know, I never wanted it to seem like that. You're gonna oh we lost four, we're just gonna get four more guys. It, and nobody does, but it really you when once you go through that you feel really connected. And then um, Richard Mann and I, which is why I think he's a great guy, we met with every family member and uh, told him that, you know, I was a guy, hey, I'm sorry, but your son's passed away. I'm sorry, but your daughter is not alive. And you go through that, that has an impact on how you present yourself to people. And then, and then afterwards, uh, going through the recovery process as the organization, everybody worked real hard, and, um, and then presenting that to the family. And presenting that to the other firefighters, and and I I knew that, and I'm going to brag here. I've I've, I've done this on podcasts before, but I got to say it again. When I knew that I was effective, is as, as after Bill Dowling died two years later, uh, I get a call from Richard Mann, who was still there as a chief, and he says, "Hey, um, we're they're going to bury. They're going to have the funeral services for." captain bill and they want the firefighters want you to speak on behalf of the firefighters and i was like what
0: yeah it's a big deal
2: he go. i said they want the the last outside fire chief to come <laughs> back and <laughs> talk and i thought okay if that it, it worked it worked you know they really do believe that i care because i really did care so i mean how do you, you know what do you do with that so it's really a commitment, uh, and, and that's why, you know, every day I kind of make the decision, okay, how, long, how much longer i am going to stay? Because I don't want to phone in a day. Yeah. But, I, you know, some days I'm sixty, going to be 64, and I've been around a long time. Don't phone in. There's fire teeth to so phone in every day. Don't phone in as a fire chief. That's the last leadership statement I would say. Is man, don't phone in as a fire chief. Now sometimes I leave early in the afternoons. You, my guys, will tell you that. <laughs> I'm right. waving bye to them. Boy, that's been a nice day. It's about noon.
0: Yeah, work-life balance. <laughs> no, but it's
2: but you but they know when you phone it in, and there's fire chiefs that phone it in every day, and. Uh, you you can't let that happen.
0: Well, that's the thing that like I, I've only had the opportunity to speak to you a couple of times. I'm gonna brag on you a little bit, not 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 for any other reason, but just to like I tell people, I'm like, hey, have you listened to that one? And they're like, no. Nah. I'm like, you need to listen to it. That's a real fucking fire chief. Like uh, that. Yeah. Like like when that guy talks, was a real that that's a real fucking fire chief. I actually told my brother in law that um, retired E nine, you know, managed a lot of people, stuff like that. And he actually told me yesterday, he's like, dude, that one was really fucking good. But What I pick up from you every time you're fucking in here is like, God damn it. You are so fucking present all the time. Like you're present at the stations. You're present like when shit goes south. You're present when 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 key things like need to happen or or, or like people like need to get picked. You're fucking present all the time. And like and you treat everybody like they're part of your fucking family. And this is this is this is. It's Just different to hear it because you give a shit, and it's it's for me, it's refreshing and, and, and cool to see. But I'm like, man, like, we're uh, I don't know. Like, I call Chris a fire nerd because he is a fire nerd, <laughs> he's like the biggest fire nerd I, wear, I know. Yeah, I wear it. Yeah, Chris would be like our warrant officer, right? Like, yeah. that, yeah, like, he's like, he's, he's our <laughs> fire, nerd, but you like, this is you don't do this shit because you have to, like, you can tell, like, you do it because. He absolutely fucking love it, and he love the guys, and he love...
2: Oh, that's nice. You're going to make me feel absolutely terrible <laughs> right there. But <laughs> You know, the thing about being, showing up and being there, I don't always want to.
0: Yeah, for right? sure. Right?
2: It's like, oh, God, I hate to go to that. I, But uh, once I get there and I walk in, I see the first firefighter, and I feel so good about it. It's like, I'm glad I'm here. And I always tell them... And they probably think I'm just blowing smoke. But hey, thanks for being there, chief. There's no place else I'd rather be. Right here, right now, right. It's it's kind of like an old country song where the dad keeps showing up when the kids playing baseball <laughs> right. or something, right? You gotta keep showing. Chris laughs because boy named to, Sue. He listens to a lot of country. Well, it's, he's a hag banger.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny because like because I, I wrote a personal manifesto for myself like 10 or 15 years ago one of the statements is 90 percent of life is about showing up and like i don't fucking want to show up to here or some things like yeah but but just that that presence and being present and i've seen um the trend to phone in not from you know from from all over the place whether it be business or, or or like fire departments but the fact that and maybe it's an old school thing or something like that but you're so present in everything that you do like you talk about account- accountability. You talk about a process. You talk about consistency. You know, you talk about all that stuff. But you like, you model consistency in everything that you're fucking uh. doing. How can you not like buy into that? Like that's where that's where like I've never seen, I don't know, like I've never seen had even an assistant chief come down and just co- like come talk to us at the station or whatever. Like i have never, I've just never fucking seen it. So so to, to talk to a guy like you, gives me hope that there's other fire chiefs out there because 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 we're looking for. A, uh, a new fire chief in, in in our department really really soon, but I just like it's just yeah. for me it's it just it's crazy to hear it and actions like the actionable things behind it. It's like you live it every fucking day, man. It's
2: it's ho- nice nah, once again. That's too nice of you, and I don't I'll, deserve it I'll that, insult you in like five minutes. Don't <laughs> worry. But man. I but you know what I I don't come across you know very very bright sometimes. I get it. You know I say I said the other day honestly. I said that our preacher at church says. Um, our father at church says uh, uh, hey do you know about this and I said I don't know nothing about that and he, he just <laughs> looked at my wife says did you hear yourself and I said I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. so she teases me because I went to Harvard for a week she goes you went to Harvard but oh, they yeah. didn't teach me that <laughs> but uh that's how the whole education yeah. But I, I honestly believe that um, the, the reason I get to do these things is because Bruno honestly Bruno, John Hinton we had a lot of good guys and 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 they weren't all chiefs they were fire captain i talked to a fire captain today ted undercheck a good old one of my first fire captain 82 years old and he could still just come in here and pound us all to death if he wanted to am i right yeah no, yeah 100 and uh so i mean and outdance me. you and outdance us oh, but uh so and talking. i don't know i don't know how else to ask my act my mom she was one of those where I told her once. I, I said, "Hey, I made battalion chief." She says, "Big balls and cowtown."
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was my. She's like, not, like, she's like, not impressed. Not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> For one second, big balls. I go and take out the fucking trash. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was it. Don't,
2: don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> don't get too big. Don't get too bad because you're not. You're just a. You just do the best you can.
0: So, we got to get him out of here. Yeah, is, is there anything else?
2: No, you, you know, I don't.
1: I, no, I don't. Definitely. Uh, today for me, today was about other people seeing what you've done and, and kind of getting a, a direction of, of the things that are uh, are good and that are. Uh, I've said it before: the magnetic north and the things that we should All be right. caring about and what we could be caring about and what we what we what we want to aspire to. Um, because there's a lot of people that are going to be looking or, or are looking for that type of thing, and we need that um, across the American Fire Service. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
2: and they're, they're out there. There's people out there that I'm, I'm not a, yeah.
1: No, there are, but you're a fantastic better. example of it here.
2: Well, I, I was lucky. I got some opportunities, and then, you know, you better show, when you show up, you better be ready to act. But that's yeah. it, man. Don't phone it in.
0: Yeah, I love that. Like, that yep. loyalty piece, too, that you guys talk about, like, even though he's gone and not around and hasn't been our fire chief for, like, a really long time, like, you guys are fucking loyal, man, and that's, and that's a rarity nowadays, like, across the board, whether it be, like, in the fire service or, like, walking down the street. Like, that's... It's just super different. For, for me... Like, I wanted you back here. I told Chris, I'm like, there's all kinds of shit I want to ask him. I'm like, we could go six hours. But I'm like, like, all right, let me lay, lay out the things I really want to ask him and then kind of go from there.
2: I don't know if I told anything worth listening to, honestly. The hey, 16 people.
0: Well, those <laughs> 16, yeah, those 15 other people that l- yeah. are going to listen, we'll let you know what they okay. say. Yeah, may, maybe maybe yeah. two out of the 15 will get something, but <laughs> hey,
2: it'll go yeah. like this. Hey, babe, I did a podcast. <laughs> Big balls and That's <laughs> <God damn. laughs> So my wife will say, "You marry <laughs> your mom." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: We, we 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 might make the difference with two people after for yeah. this one, uh, whatever it takes. <laughs>
2: okay, well, let's go to my barber.
0: Wrap it up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much. We we appreciate it, and thanks for. For being a, a second time guest, uh, uh, the 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 pay, you know, as you move, you know, as you yeah. come in here multiple times, it just it's exponential. I you uh, know just what? so you know, I uh,
2: forget easy, and next time I'm going to try to remember. I'm going to write it down if you ever ask me again, because I'm going to come in naked. It's so <laughs> fucking hot in here. Yeah, yeah, people huh. out there, you gotta. I had to cuss. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I like it is hot gotta, in here. He owns a. Con- no. <laughs> yeah.
0: I do it so you're yeah. not too comfortable. Apparently his he doesn't have a good relationship with his AC guy. <laughs> no, I don't. I, don't. <laughs> I, got,
2: I got a guy.
0: The good news is we're building a new podcast studio with, with more yes. AC in it. No, it's uh-huh. good. So, I think
2: yeah. it's just the warmth coming off all of you. Yeah. <laughs> this is that? it's actually cool in here today. In fact, get
0: your hand <laughs> okay. off. It is yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, all right. Nice. Well, yeah. Thank you. thank you very much. We I greatly go. appreciate it, and
1: we'll uh, we'll uh, keep this going. And remember, you can find the Make the Difference podcast at uh, anywhere you can find only the finest podcast. Get
0: us to seventeen downloads. Come on, let's do this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, someday we'll bust twenty.
0: Yeah, man, that'll be a
1: good day. Yeah. Right.
2: see you buddy. I gotta go to work.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Reef Builders, winner of Best of How's, five years running. Reef Builders is a Tempe, Arizona-based, full-service design-build construction company. What's a design-build company? It means you deal with one company for everything. Reef Builders is able to take your vision and bring it to life by drawing your plans, producing photorealistic, high-resolution 3D renderings of your kitchen, baths, and more, helping you design and pick your finishes, and finally, executing that vision. With their years of building experience and a superior client experience, using tools such as online project management software through their client portal that allows you to see your renovation in real time. Whether you're in town, on vacation, or living in another state, you have access to job progress photos, your build schedule, financials, and much more anywhere in the world. So if you're looking for a complete bath or kitchen renovation, a complete home renovation, a custom home designed and built, or a boutique commercial project built out, Reef Builders can deliver it. Reef Builders. Your vision, their experience, delivered.